This is Jeffrey Combs, you know, reanimator from beyond, etc. You're listening to Horror Business. My name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to another clownishly good episode of Horror Business. Did you just say clownishly good? I did. And I the reason it's clownish, not only because are Liam and I clowns, we are. Yeah, fucking jokes. We, and not only because we are talking about Andy Muschetti's, is it Muschetti or Muschetti? I literally have no idea. It's Muschetti. You have looked this we'll up. go with I Muschetti. Have no idea. We are talking about Andy Muschetti's 2017 reimagining of It. And we are joined by two people that I love. We are joined by first time Brendan Foley of Black Sun Dispatches. What's up, Brendan? Hello. First time guest. I don't first believe that guest. you love me. That's, That's fine. fine. I don't love anything. I don't think we're there yet. Uh, he listens to your podcast, so I think he does. Love oh, okay. And and this is really awesome. We are joined by our first reoccurring guest, your friend and mine of the Mandate, John. Motherfucking Ren. What's going on, John? Uh, not much. Heck of a drive up here, but... Yes. It was, from what you told me, the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, yeah it was pretty bad. Why was it so bad? Uh, there was an accident on 476. It was a deer that got its whole back end obliterated, and it was still trying to get up and run away. I kind of Fuck. Wanted, yeah, I kind of wanted to just like pull over and be like, oh, I'm not going to do this, but... We're here. Let's talk about clowns killing people. I was literally about to make a joke about how this couldn't possibly be interesting for the listeners until you said that. Now I'm like, actually, that's, that is, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's relevant. It, it sets the tone. It does set the tone. So um, before we get any further, um, I just want to say that this episode, like all other episodes, is brought to you by Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, the Lehigh Valley's premier screen, print, screen printing company. Look, we know you're trying to push your political agenda, whatever yes. it might be. Yes. Or you're trying to sell something, probably selling a new religion of some kind. Yes. I don't want to say cult, but I, the federal government probably would. Yeah. And if you want to sell something, if you're trying to make money, that's perfect because Chris Reject, the owner of this company, in addition to not being straight edge, is a fucking capitalist swine. I'm going to say it again because we didn't say it last time. Chris Reject is not and never was straight edge. He may or may not have thrown up in a girl's mouth once before making out with her. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that's true. But um, <laughs> it's despite the fact that Chris Reject is not straight edge. If you go to his website xlvacx.com, you will discover one of the greatest screen printers in the fucking world. I let agree. alone the Lehigh Valley. I agree. They are extremely professional. Liam and I have witnessed them recreate drawings from very bad descriptions and poor pictures of things. This dude just had a shirt, just a wrinkly shirt. He just took a picture and was like, make this design. And my man did it. It's crazy. Uh, 
It's also interesting because two people from Chris's company, two unfortunate people who who slave under him. Slave. They are they are his wage. They are his wage slaves. Alexis and Jared joined us on Thursday night. It's true. Chris didn't because he was probably Chris did not because he was sleeping on a pile of money or (laughs) coming up with ways to oppress his workers. (laughs) True. (laughs) But either way, you should go check it out because Chris is, if nothing else, and I do mean nothing else, he is professional. Um, I mean, he also. He's kind of charming. He he's he's he has the charm in the same way that like, um, if I like woke up in the middle of the night and there was like a centipede on my wall and I was disgusted, but the centipede was wearing a top hat and I didn't want to kill it right away. That's how I would describe Chris Reject. Wow, that was pretty bad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Um, we make fun of them because we love them. Yes, I hate Chris, but I love him, and he's not straight edge. <laughs> All right. So uh, as usual. We're going to start with a brief discussion of recent horror things we have done, horror-related things. Brendan, as a first-time guest, have you done anything horror-related beyond waking up and dealing with the the horrors of life? life? (laughs) Besides besides living in Trump's America, America, have you done anything horror-related? That takes up a lot of time. Um, I recently rewatched American Werewolf in London. Yes. All right. Uh, Because I was as part of my job at another website. I run a column about like kind of a weekly movie club as my turn to pick, and I picked American Wolf of London because I love it very, very much. Um, and some people did not. Uh, it turned out to be a shockingly controversial choice because there are people, uh, we'll call them wrong, who think The Howling is the superior werewolf film of the 90, 1980s. Um, wrong. Right, they're wrong. <laughs> so it turned so like, again, I picked as like, ah, oh, everyone loves American Wolf in London. Like, we're all just celebrate this wonderful the best horror comedy film ever made uh, this, some of the best makeup effects in, in, in cinema history um, and instead it turned into a bunch of people saying The Howling was better uh, and me yelling at them uh, The Howling has Dick Miller, Miller. That's, that's it, it. That's, that's the, the only way it surpasses an American horror from London yes all three minutes of Dick Miller are wonderful as they always are he can Dick Miller it's impossible for him to be bad in a movie I'm just confused. People's write-up about, about American World from London was about the howling. Was was them saying like, listen, because it turns like a Twitter debate as well. So a lot of those people being like, listen, howling, you know, American World of London is good, but it's not as good as the howling. The howling is better. Or explaining why they didn't think it was a, it was it was a very good movie. You know, me and me and Justin have familiarity in this long before Harvest was even like going going. Yeah, Justin guested on Cinepunks, and we did an episode where we discussed werewolf movies. And I think we came to the decision that, like, you should just cherish the good werewolf movies you have. There's, like, five in Hitman. Yeah, there's just not that many good werewolf movies. Yeah. The Howling's great. It's just not as good as American Wolf in London. But I also don't see the need, like, if... Uh, it's if because they came out if, the same year. That's why. It's because they came out the same year, and they, ha- they both have, like, that, that, f- that tone of, like, kind of, like, scary, but also funny... It, it, it's, it's such sure. a weird thing that they, they it's such a, because I, I think the tone of funny in the howling is not the fucking same as the tone no, of funny in no, it's American absolutely World of London. American World of London is actually a comedy. Like there are comedy yeah. beats in it. The howling has some like parts that are funny, but they're not like the same to me at least as American World. No, which like, surprised me because again, I, it's an obvious comparison, but I just don't understand. The point of two cents is not we chose a movie. Tell us which movie you think might be better than this movie. <laughs> No, We're wondering. We we chose this this week. We chose uh, Wall Street. Which uh, Oliver Stone movie do you prefer to Wall Street? <laughs> right. Which funny is that I, I I had heard the Howling described as a horror comedy before I saw it, 
I remember watching me like, this is maybe the least funny Joe Dante film ever. Yeah, I'll agree to that. I think people say it's a comedy just because it's Joe Dante. I mean, you could say that's like saying that Piranha is a horror comedy. When is. Piranha's funnier. Like, you, well, yeah, yeah, and Piranha is actually, actually funnier, funnier too. Like, yeah. Piranha has like that's actual jokes in it. Funnier. What'd you say? I feel like that's incidentally funnier. Like, I think Piranha was meant to be serious, but right. it's like, it's Piranha, so it's just, it's funny. I, 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 Piranha's meant to be serious, but I think it has a, uh, an understanding that it is silly. Like, I think yeah, I, there's, a, there's a self-awareness to it, even though it's yeah. not a horror comedy. It feels like a bit of like a, it feels like a bit of saying like, hey guys, you know who Roger Corman is, right? right. <laughs> like, that's what that movie sort of is, is like, yeah, yeah we, all know, we, get we all know Roger Corman. We're all, we're all in on what this is. Right, 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 right. Well, uh, I'm glad that you. I mean, let's do a check around the room, John. John Wren. Uh, the only thing horror related I did was rewatch the Evil Dead uh, trilogy straight through, but I do that like quarterly, so it's not <laughs> so it's not anything new for me. That's you are, and you're literally wearing an Evil Dead two shirt right now. Yeah, that's coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are a huge. Now, this is something I've been meaning to ask you. When you think of your devotion, and I do say devotion, to the Evil Dead series, is that more about Bruce or more about Sam Raimi? Or is it just the combo of the two? Uh, for me, it was, I don't know. Like, I think Evil Dead 2 was the first one I ever saw. Sure. And that was, uh, it like struck out, like as a movie, like at the time, I was probably like seven or eight years old. Sure. It, I had never seen anything like it before. And when I went back to the, the Evil Dead I was still young when I saw it, and that movie scared the hell out of me. I think it's more – I think my my love affair for it was at the time they were like – it's something that's been with me since I was like you know under under 10. Yeah. Um, so my devotion to it a little bit is probably more Bruce than it is Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi's put out some movies that I'm like, eh, especially like later in his career. Um, I wasn't – so it's probably more Bruce that my love affair. You're thinking of Spider-Man 3? Is that what you're thinking of? Uh, there's there's just a bunch of stuff. Well, the, what do you do? The the Oz and Great and Powerful that movie sucked too. Oh God, what? I totally a forgot about that shit pile that was. Yeah, I was just I was literally ready to like be like I don't know, man. Sam Raimi's actually got a pretty good batting record, and then you went straight for Oz, and now I'm like, oh no, fuck him. I'm 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 done. Oz what? Oz Oz was on like sci-fi. That movie was on like sci-fi a couple months ago, and I never seen it, so I was kind of just watching like the the end of it. The yeah. makeup on Mila Kunis as the Wicked Witch of the West looks like if. ABC did a Wizard of Oz movie, like a TV movie. I watched like this was like a two hundred million dollar blockbuster from Sam fucking Raimi. Why does it look terrible? I think that whole movie looks like sci-fi made. Yeah, it looks looks, it's like sci-fi quality. It should have like a brief cameo from Eric Robertson in Oz. (laughs) Like that's how that movie goes. It it looks like I think I think they're going for like a cartoony look, but it just looks bad and cheap. It's like wow. Yeah, I guess I, uh, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm like tr- racking my brains for any recent Sam Raimi that's not embarrassing, and I, I can't. Drag me to hell, great. Drag, drag me to hell. Drag yeah, drag me to hell. He also, he also wrote that in like 1994, so he was writing it in the, in the, he was like fresh off the Army of Darkness when he, when he wrote Drag Me to Hell. That was supposed to be his next movie, and then they handed him a Quick in the Dead, which I love. So yeah, I'm okay with that. Green Knight's great, but it's weird because he, he did the Spider-Man trilogy. He did Drag Me to Hell. He did Oz, and then he just disappeared. Yeah, I was just thinking: is there any recent? Well, I, he, I, he is the producer of the Ash vs. Evil Dead, and the only thing he directed was the he directed the pilot. So that's sure. the most recent thing he's done. Yeah, the, which was mostly good, but the pilot has like a, a, a decapitation. That's one of the worst CGI decapitations I've ever seen in anything. 
I generally think the show, I don't know. I feel like, Ren, you're going to have a strong opinion about this one way or the other, and I've never asked you before. I actually like the show if I ignore some of the CGI. Like sometimes the effects on the show I think are really good. Other times I think they're really bad. And I just try to take the show in and not worry too much about the special effects because sometimes I find them really like abrasively bad special effects. No, I agree with that. They, some of the, uh, there's some things I've really liked the show and it could just be, you know, complete bias. Sure. Um, but there are some things that they've done that I'm like, I groaned at. I'm like, why? Like, yeah. Like for instance, the biggest thing for me that pissed me off was in the first season, they showed the entity that like they showed the evil dead, like right. charging up on like when the originals, you would see the camera, you know, chase the person through the but woods. There's, there's no like you black cloud. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and then they showed it. I'm like, that's it. That's where you're. Gonna they, show. they showed it. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't realize that. In the, in the first one, he looks in the rearview mirror and you see this like giant black cloud. Ah, oh, come on. I, I will. I will say they never went back to that image, and I think it's because the backlash when they showed that even that brief image was what the oh, fuck. How dare happened. you? They yeah. were like, okay, let's not do that. Again. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's back off that CGI. And it's like, it's, it's uh, even if you're going to say like, well, it's like a black cloudy presence. This was the most Looney Tunes CGI version of that. It yeah. wasn't even like, you know what I mean? Like it literally but looked like, like, like oh, it's it bad. It was real bad. It, it was like, it was like a uh, arrow special effect. That's not Justin. Good. Justin's like I'm familiar with that. Justin, what horror stuff have you done recently? By the way, when I kicked it to you, Ren, I was actually asking your opinion about American Werewolf in London. Oh, I actually hate every werewolf. I don't. I'm not a werewolf movie fan. Like oh people, yeah, people give me shit for that. But it's going to be a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this later. Everything derailed when Ren said that shit about werewolves. I no. Okay, ratio wise, I I think I agree with you, and I think we probably all agree that like many werewolf movies are bad. But I don't think I can say like all every, werewolf. Movies like everything are bad. in life, most because most things are bad. Most of life is bad. <laughs> you come on. <laughs> this is your excuse. Whenever I don't like something that you like, you're like, well, most things are bad. Most so. things are bad. Mo- but werewolf movies have a particularly hot, particularly high ratio of like really, really bad to good. I think that's fair because it's something that people want to cover a lot. It's an attractive idea, but. No one does it well. It's a fairly rigid formula. It's not like 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 vampires and zombies and a lot of these other movie monsters. Even the Frankenstein story can be twisted and, and do all kinds of permutations. Werewolf is pretty straight. You get bit, you slowly turn, you start killing people. Someone kills you. Like that's pretty much it. Um, when people play with it, you get really cool stuff like Ginger Snaps or Dog oh, Soldiers. Yeah, I love Ginger Snaps. Yeah, like so. Like when people mess with it you can get some really cool stuff but for the most part it's pretty much just the, if you've seen the wolf man you've seen like 90% of, of werewolf films it's just in terms of who you know, how how well they execute the formula i mean and sometimes when you play with it you get things like howling the marsupials which is not exactly <laughs> fucking howling the verse they must have showed that shit on usa like every day of the 1990s i felt like like that was on cable like every fucking day okay uh let's keep going here justin lore I haven't done anything horror related. Really? I still haven't. I, You're I, the goddamn host of this podcast. I know. I still haven't. I still have not finished Transfigur- the Transfiguration. Do you think it's because it's too slow for you or are you liking it? No, literally the week leading up to it, I've been rereading it. Oh, and sure. I, I've, I've been like unable to like not focus. Um, 
also watched a couple episodes of Supernatural, but we established last episode that doesn't count. <laughs> you love that Supernatural. It, depa- it depends on the season. Yeah, yeah season, season, I'm on season, season 12 right now. It's, 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 it's getting, getting there, there, but... Yeah, because um, the early seasons are very much horror, and then... One through five are amazing. Yeah, yeah. and it, but as, as, it, as they get more into, like, starting with season four, I would say, once Angels come into it, it's more of a fantasy mythology type show with, spat, with like, occasional blood geysers. Yeah. yeah. All right. Wait. So the last time we recorded, did I mention the Lethal Ladies? Have that happened yet? See, si. you have. You did. Oh shit. Okay. Um, well, so I made a decision, which is that um, my baby, Maeve, for those of you who don't know, is too young to be traumatized by anything. Right. That's a fair. Yes, that's she's, a fair, and that's a good decision from your part as a parent. She's too young to be traumatized. I'm going to say as a what parent, what is the right age to traumatize a child? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, when is it okay to be like, hey, kid, you... Uh... No, 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 I think you guys are misunderstanding me. What I mean is that I don't have to worry because she's so young that she won't be traumatized. She won't remember anything. Yeah, we watched... She she, she was sitting with us, sitting with us when we were watching... Um... One some horror movie. Some horror movie. She was just sitting there like yeah, she doesn't is, care. Yeah. So I put Suspiria on. That was the horror thing I did. Was like I need loud sounds and 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 colors. We've already watched Moana like fucking fifty times, uh, and we've That's watched right. Watch it fifty um, more. Moana's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great. But so we watched Suspiria, and turns out babies love Suspiria. <laughs> it's mine does. <laughs> The music and the colors and the whatever, she was stoked. She was like, this is the, this is this is pretty cool. And then another horror adjacent thing I exposed her to was then we watched uh, Paranorman. Okay. And, uh, she, yeah. was, she was mostly okay with that. It gets a little slower towards the end. I say Paranormal like, qualifies, yeah. Not for, not for me, but like for uh, her. Right. There's a lot of talking. It's, yeah. yeah it's, it's not, she wasn't as engaged. But that meant that she uh, more easily fell asleep then. So that was great. But I kind of forgot how much I fucking love Paranorman. Like it's, 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 it is fantastic. I don't think I've ever seen it. No. Oh, yeah. wow. It's, oh, man. So there's a kid. He lives in like a some New England, fake New England town. And he sees dead people. And so everyone hates him because they think he's a fucking freak. And the whole town's like, has this mythology of like, oh, there was witches here and we killed the witches. It's, so it's like cool. knockoff Salem is the town. Yeah. yeah, it's like a pretend Salem sort of town. And then uh, apparently there's this witch's curse that his, the, that Paranorman's uncle, who's like the local crazy homeless person, that he, uh, well, he's not homeless, he's at home, but he looks very ragged. He's actually been putting off this witch's curse every year that he's been alive. And then he dies. And then he visits Norman's like, okay, so I've been doing this thing. Now you have to do this thing or else like, the world will basically end or something and so then norman doesn't really understand what he's supposed to do and then all the settlers come back as zombies and the movie goes from there that's pretty pretty cool if i if, it's if, pretty if, it's if, pretty neat if Par- paranorman is the perfect film to show a 10 year old that will make them love horror for the rest of their lives it's interesting because i wanted to make the point today and we'll we'll hear this in a little bit that uh this new it is the perfect film to show a 14 year old and make them love lb said the same thing lb said the same thing yeah i i i I really think that this is like not that it i'm not making the claim as some people have that it's not scary it is scary but i think if you have a a child of either gender or any gender let's say there's a spectrum of genders who uh who uh uh, you think is ready to have the shit scared out of them. I think this is a good place to start. I think this is a very good place to start. We can talk about this later. I think they, they make a very specific, uh, how, how do you say the guy's name? Muschetti? Spaghetti. <laughs> and Andy lasagna. We'll go with. But Eddie Spaghetti. Eddie, yeah, Eddie, yeah, Eddie, sure, Eddie sure. Spaghetti makes a choice 
uh, a tonal choice that this is fun, terrifying, not uh, want to kill yourself after it's over kind of horror, which can be fun. Uh, it's horror that's really unrelatively nasty. This is like a roller coaster ride of fear as opposed to. Which, which, Stan, which makes good for like the fourteen, like, like you're saying, for like the fourteen year olds and that kind of thing. I think Stan yours would disagree with the assessment. Of well, you know, that's the second half. We're not there yet. We're not spoilers for people who haven't read the book a bit. Uh, Fuck those people. Can I say one one last thing? It didn't happen to me, but it's a it's a sure. horror related thing. My, yeah, my, do. my younger brother, who I think is like eighteen or so, eighteen or eighteen, um, I forget exactly where he where he lands. Um, he went to movie night with some friends, and uh, the kid, <laughs> the kid whose turn was to pick a movie, um, surprised them all by putting on a little horror film called Cannibal Holocaust. Oh shit! Uh, it they did not. So this last is a movie night, night for teenagers. Yes, this is like. Uh, but are they horror people? No, I, by, no. When I was eighteen, I had seen Cannibal. So Holocaust. they're just not. He was just like. The, this isn't horror specific. This, these kids are not a horror specific nope, movie. This is not a horror movie, horror specific movie club. This is just like we're all going to be going off to school. We're going, all going back to college for sophomore year in a couple weeks. Let's have like one last group movie night. And the kid put on Cannibal. Oh my god! I like the idea that like this could have been any kind of movie. Like he's sitting there going, "All right, let's see. Right? Do I go with Pop Star? Never stop, never stopping. Or yeah, Goodwill Hunting. Could have been Guardians of Galaxy Two, which had just come out. Could have could have been any movie whatsoever. And he decided to subject his friends to Cannibal Holocaust. I think the only thing worse is probably showed him like a Serbian film. Yeah, yeah, no, really, <laughs> yeah, like just go right, go right off the deep end. But it, it, I, I will say, uh, with a Serbian film, at least the name could be. You're just like, well, it doesn't sound that. Yeah, what yeah. is this? Cannibal Holocaust is literally like, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not getting something like chill right now. You know? Well, did I did I bring up on this episode how my grandmother inadvertently watched Green Inferno? Oh God, no. Let's do that story and then let's take a break and do. I it. mean, it's not a story. I mean, literally, I just told like I visit, That's the whole thing. I, I visit my I, I visit my grandmother every Thursday night, and as I'm like leaving, she's like, "Hey, honey, I watched a movie the other night. It's about this plane crashed, and he's like, you know, these like natives like ate these people, and I'm like, was did, was there like marijuana involved? She's like, yeah, they like got them high and they escaped, and I was like, nanny, why were you watching Green? <laughs> and it's like it was just on, and it's like. What was it on? Was she stoked? Was she stoked on the diarrhea jokes? No, this was. She was just like confused. This is the same woman who told me that watching horror movies will literally open a portal to hell for Satan to come through and possess me and use me as his vessel in the world, which may or may not be why I watch horror movies because I. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like maybe oh. maybe she thought it was kind of a nature documentary at first. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I, but I mean, like she. It's not like she started to watch it and then was like. Grow, like she watched the entire thing because she asked me who was that guy at the end in the in the picture in in, in the satellite photo, and I was like, nanny, like, don't ever give me shit ever again for 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 what I do with my life. Oh my gosh! All right, well, I guess what do you think? Uh, you guys want to take a quick break? I have to use the men's room, which is more than oh. info than the listeners needed to hear. Oh, so you're telling me to edit that out? No. This will be really funny when I don't edit it. Ah, it'll be so goofy. When he says that, you should edit in the thing from Pulp Fiction with Uma Thurman and be like, that's more information than I needed. 
I like I like the idea of multiple people who don't do any editing telling me all the things I should edit in. I'm just like the last episode where Justin's like, you should put Earth Crisis as blah, blah, Ren, blah, blah. back me up on this. Should we not have had Earth Crisis on an episode about animals fighting back against people? Yeah, that would have made sense. Thank you, Ren. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Like vegan Reich or any of those bands. So. I said Vegan Reich. You said Raid. I did say Raid. That's right. All right. We'll be back. When you're a kid, you think the universe revolves around you. You think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. Until it's too late. of one thing, an evil thing. Bill, if you'll come with me, we'll float too. George. I saw something. A clown. Yeah, I saw him too. What happens when another Georgie goes missing? Or one of us? Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, we'll win. about Andy Muschietti's 2017 It. I think it's Muschietti. Muschietti. Sure. <laughs> Andy Muschietti. Andy, Andy Muschietti, Italian by way of Argentinian descent. Or Italian descent from Argentini. Argentini. Ar- Argentini? Ar- Ar- Argentina. <laughs> He's from Argentina. Um, Wait, really? Is that true? 
Yeah, he's, oh. he's an Argentinian filmmaker. That's why he's like so close with like Guillermo del Toro is because they have like the. You realize that's you just also described the Pope, which is kind of funny. Yeah, except um, Andy Machete is cooler than the Pope. I can, I can, like, I like can, a lot. I can accept that. By like a lot. <laughs> Um, I, have, I have to find out Andy Machete's feelings on climate change first. But yeah, then, as long Please. as he's on the right page. Yeah, I just hope. I, I just hope that now he's like now, now that he's made this movie and is like like vaulted in the limelight, he doesn't he doesn't pull like a Lawrence Fishburne and it's like, please, it's Andre's Machete. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just disrespected my man Larry. Like that. I love Larry Fishburne. Ba- uh, was Band of the Hand is a great movie, but oh, that's what you yeah. go with for for Lawrence Fishburne. You've seen Apocalypse I mean, Now. He was going with, with Band of Dream the Warriors, Hand. man. Dream Warriors. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think we all meant to say Dream Warriors yeah. and or King of New York. And or Event Horizon. And or Deep Cover. Look, I'm not here to debate the fucking credentials of one Larry Fishburne. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get started, we're just going to briefly talk about uh, how it has impacted us, our first exposure. And I do want to warn you guys. We are going to, this is going to be a very spoiler heavy episode for both the movie that is out now, the 1990 miniseries, and the book. So we here at Cinepunks don't really believe in, sp- in spoiler culture, but this is, again, much like when we did Hellraiser, this is one of those times where if you're not familiar with what's going on, um, I implore you to at least see one of, either go see the the movie that's out now, see the 90s miniseries, or read the book. Do all three, I I would actually encourage you to do. But um, there's some shit going, we're going to be talking about some stuff that is going to be very, it's going to ruin, it's going to dull the impact of the book, of of all three of these works for you. Um, I don't really feel, I mean, I've talked about it enough. I mean, you, I I wrote the article for Stranger Things for Cinepunks last summer where I talk about my background in it. Yep. I did a thing, um, our you know friends of the podcast, Test Pattern, Jacob and Tab, who we're going to be reading something from that Jacob sent in. They did an episode on this recently where I, I, I sent in a little piece I wrote about it. And I have fucking its name tattooed on, on my leg. Like I, I, this book is, this book is, you know, monumental to me. I don't really feel the need to delve further into it. Go to Cinepunks and check out the Stranger Things article I wrote. I'll talk more about my background. Well, there. and you also wrote a review for this that... I'm just waiting for someone to edit. Yes, but I mean, that's we're going to be talking about most of the stuff, if not more on this episode. That is just like, you know. So you want to ask one of us what we think? I don't really give a fuck what you think. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we've, we've talked about it. You and I have talked about it before, like your early exposure to it. Like, what was what was your, you know, let's let's ask one of the guests first. I was going to say that's what I was. Let's go with Mr. Foley as the first time guest. Hello. Um. So for me, I read I read it. I th- want to say in middle school for the first time. Uh, it's one of those books you just kind of inhaled. It's, it's, it's how 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 old are you? I am twenty seven. Oh, so you're like the youngin here the right baby now. Baby of the bunch. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just turned twenty seven yeah, okay. uh, a few a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, so I think I read it probably in seventh or eighth grade uh, when I was kind of just starting getting Stephen King and actually really just starting getting horror. Um, it's, it, it is one of those books that I just really tore through, uh, loved it obviously, but, um, in hindsight, as I've read more of Stephen King and read more of horror, I don't revere it the way I do some of his other work. I think, oh, the look on Justin's face is so good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But here's, here's what, here's what it's for me. I think with Stephen King, 
he's my favorite living author at the moment. I, I, I adore him with all my heart. Once his page counts start to top 600 and into the thousands, things get wobbly uh, across the board. The stand, the uh, 112263 under the this dome. Is... Uh, I, like, I like him sh- tight. Salem's Lot, The Shining, that, that's my, uh, that's, that's the stuff that I love the most. So with it, I don't think it's his best book. I think it's his most book. Uh, the only reason it isn't the end-all, be-all is because none of the losers have an alcohol problem when they get older. Um, that's, but, no, that is actually a very good point. Um, but that I, I think it's, I, I think for me, it, especially in the home stretch. It's it's one of those deals where he spends a ton of time building to a payoff that does not click for me, um, and we could talk wow. about we can talk about the the sewer gangbang uh, and how that fits into the the story as a whole. Um, but that that's my take on it. I think it's a great book. I love it. I don't consider it a favorite of his for me. I'm sorry, Justin. <laughs> I think he's probably shaking with anger as I say this. I'm sorry. I just want to. I just want to say that you know, there's a there's there's a few things that we could all respond, but I I appreciate you saying that because I feel like um, though I think we all liked the movie. I think I'm the least excited about the movie. So the fact that you just took a bunch of heat off of me. By <laughs> That the book is not that great. Like, I feel awesome. I can't wait to like complain about the movie later because at least I am smart enough to know the book is amazing and Brendan's the idiot who doesn't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. You're not. I uh, okay. I know Justin is thinking about responding right now, but let me jump in. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about. Okay. Okay. Let me let me, let me jump in and say I do think this is a common criticism, and I know quite a few people who love Stephen King who aren't convinced he's good at endings generally. That like. Like even if they like his narrative overall, and I know a lot of people who feel like the end of it is not their favorite ending of a book, period, and not their even their favorite Stephen King ending. Um, so I don't want to be like Brendan's the one guy who doesn't get it. You know, like a lot of people don't love the way that book ends, and so a lot of people voted for Hitler too. I just want to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the worst. All right, hey Ren, what's your relationship to it and? If you have anything negative to say, please go ahead and do that. No, I don't have anything negative to say. Yeah, I didn't think so. So for me, uh, I read it again. It was probably about the same time, like sixth, seventh grade or whatever. It wasn't the first uh, Stephen King book I was introduced to. My uncle was the is the he's the reason for for me being the way I am with with horror movies. <laughs> sure. Um, he introduced me to Stephen King via Eyes of the Dragon. Okay. Oh wow. wow. Okay. Because he was like, let me let me do the fantasy stuff first. Let you read that, and then we'll get we'll get you into some of the bigger stuff. I would say it was probably like the third or fourth book that I read. It was definitely his biggest at the time until I read the, the uncut version of The Stand, which <clears throat> is my favorite book of all time. I can fuck with that. <laughs> um, as far as it goes, to me, and I had this discussion. I posted this on my personal Facebook. I said, if you had to pick one Stephen King book that would de- that would define him, if you if someone said. I want to go right for the gusto. Give me, give me the book that is the best representation of Stephen King. It for me is the, is the best representation of Stephen King. I think he does. I think he does better when he's talking about kids. Like I think anytime he, the kids are like Salem's Lot, Stand by Me. It. I think he. I think he captures the essence of the innocence of kids dealing with some you know serious shit. Uh, the best. I think that's when he. Uh, and the cruelty and, of children. 
Yeah, that too. Um, for me, <clears throat> like it would probably be like it, it's top three. Uh, uh, as far as the ending goes, and as far as the ending with a lot of Stephen King's, like I can totally agree. That some of his endings are you're like, really, man? I just I just spent twelve hundred pages reading this book, and this is the this is the ending you're going to give me? Like the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower is fucking eight books, and the ending is awful. Uh, um, see, I, I would I would I see I love the ending of the Dark Tower. I haven't finished it yet, so. I guess we won't get into a discussion of it then. Is that what you're trying to say? I don't want it to be ruined for me. Okay, okay. fair enough. Totally, totally but, fair. But, 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 but what we'll say is I was after eight books, I was let down with it. It's but, controversial. It's highly but, controversial. But the my thing with it is I always feel Stephen King books are always more about the journey to the end, not the end itself. So for me, an ending being like, especially the one in It, yeah, sure. It's not the it's not this major payoff that you expect, but I I the whole time that terror getting to that point is for me, that's the purpose of it. The ending. I mean, when you read it, you kind of know, like, especially prime uh, era, Stephen King, like basically the good guy wins. So, you know, that they're going to kill him. And so you know that there's this, this type of ending is going to be there. I think all the stuff that happens after they deal with Pennywise is where it really kind of loses me. That's the only flaw I really see in the book is all the stuff that they do to like, get Bill's wife out of the coma and this, that, and the other. I thought that was kind of corny. That's that's my only complaint with it. I think um, I've always, I've read this book dozens of times at this point, and I, I, I do, I don't, I, I, th- I remember the first time I read this, and it was revealed, um, you know, when there's, it goes to the POV chapter of it, and he's like, you know, it's talking about like, the fucking turtle and the macroverse and all that shit and i would this is like my this is like right around when i start reading lovecraft too so i was just like what the fuck like what the there's a fucking talking friendly turtle who like hates it and it's a spider and it's a female um but the thing the the, the part in the ending of it that always that 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 really like i didn't mind the actual ending how they defeated i thought that was really cool like you know eddie dying was fucking heartbreaking uh Aldra coming back, I thought was like super cheesy, but I do like the little. It's like the way it ends, where it's like it's talking about like uh, Bill. He, he's dreaming about Dairy again. Every time I read that, I get like nostalgic for something that never happened to me. <laughs> like I feel like I'm like the closest the closest feeling I've ever came to it was like um, I went to I went to college in Kutztown and like it was like my first year there when all my friends were saying we're, we're, we're leaving and it was like just me and like a handful of people. I remember standing outside my apartment in May as the sun was going down, listening to you've got the scars or scars to prove it by the jazz tune, which is a very weirdly specific song and watching my friends leave and being like, oh, I got like another two years here. That's, that's how the end of, you know, Bill saying goodbye to Derry's always made me feel like I, 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 the part with Audra is a little too saccharine. I'll agree with you, Ren. It's 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 very like, you know, okay, like. Well, and so what I'll say, I think Justin, what you what you just said describes what he nails in that 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 stuff is absolutely perfect in that book. Where it falls apart for me, and this is going to be my my big kind of shot across the bow. He's writing Lovecraftian horror, but I don't think Stephen King fits Lovecraft because Stephen King likes to explain things if that makes no, sense that's, and and that that's that's one of the criticisms um that's one of the criticisms I, I mean we'll talk about when we actually pick the book apart um I think I think one of the strengths of uh, of of what Muschetti did with this film was um it wasn't he didn't rely upon 
these weird Lovecraftian vague things of, oh, it was so terrifying that, you know, the mind boggles to even comprehend it. Like, you know, even what King did when Georgie dies in the book where he's like, and then what Georgie saw was so terrifying it, you know, I'm like, how terrifying was Stephen King? Like, um, but yeah, like, I mean, I also think that's kind of a weakness of Lovecraft is that I think he ran out of ideas and was just like, how, what did it look like? Right. I can't describe it because if you really, I strongly disagree with that, but that's fine. But see, what, 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 I, th- I think King tries to, he does that Lovecraft thing of it's too terrifying to describe, but then he tries to describe it. And that's where it kind of falls. Once you start to get into like the turtle and the deadlights, it's just like it loses something for me as opposed to when it's dealing with very human characters grappling with trauma, nostalgia, and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the more cosmic it gets, the wobblier it gets. And so when it gets to the final showdown, it goes fully cosmic. And for me, it, it kind of topples over. Um, that's just my, my perspective on, on that book. But we can obviously talk about it more as it goes. <laughs> I ran out of steam there. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, so, um, I guess I'll talk about my relationship to the book. Did you read this book when you were like five or something? It was really so. <clears throat> it was my first Stephen King book. I was in third grade. Oh Jesus! And um, I was given it actually at the beginning of the year by a friend of my mom's, Annie, and. I don't know why she thought I should read this thing. Maybe just because I read. She it. hated you. Maybe just because I read a lot. She just was like, "You should read this." But I, so I picked it up, and I think I did it sort of more as a challenge, you know, to myself to read it. Like, like, okay, I'm going to see if I can get through this thing. Um, I remember very specifically, uh, really diving in, like really pushing into like the thick of the book. Uh, later that year when Annie's husband, Henry, passed away. And I was reading it in the car on the way to his funeral. And I remember then um, a couple years later, not a couple years, like a couple months later, I'm trying to actually get the timeline of this right, but at at some point I was reading the book and um, I dropped it in the toilet after I had taken taken a dump. And And I cleaned it off. But there was like a little bit of like what I, I'm pretty sure it was like a poo stain on it. And I felt really bad. That's the grossest thing you've ever told me. Right, <laughs> right. Gonna throw watch, no, but watch. I'm about to make a turn on it. And I was really upset because Annie had loaned me this book. And I remember still being upset later on because I had never returned it to her. And I actually w- was rereading it when I was on the way to her funeral. And I remember thinking like, I can't believe like the one thing I have, I mean, I have pictures and stuff, but one of the things that she gave me is this book. That's very, it literally has poo. Yeah. That's like something out of that's it's, it's like one of the weirdest memories of mine. And the one of the, and we'll get into the movie, but one of the super weird experiences about watching the movie that I, I tried to get into on Twitter, but I don't think I really got at it was like, I haven't read the book probably since high school, maybe college. No, I think high school. And I didn't realize how much, of the book is like in my brain. So like the Ben's poetry for uh, um, your hair is winter fire. January and bruise. My heart burns there too. Is that the poem you're talking about? Yes. <laughs> I don't have that written down. I just know it. I swear to God, like later in life, I wrote stuff like that, that like was so much like that, that I had, that I had no idea that when he first says that poem, and it's been so long since I read the book, he says that poem in the movie, I literally got a chill like, ah, oh, fuck. 
like I've been trying to recreate Ben's poetry for like 20 years, you know, <laughs> longer, you know, for like yeah. 30 years. I've been trying to recreate that feeling or something, you know, like um, and just different aspects of like how I think about the town and and um, uh, how I think about childhood, like so many fucking things because I in third grade forced myself. Now, granted, I was already watching horror movies by then. Like, like I think the idea that people find so upsetting is like you as a kid are reading this thing that's filled with like violence and racial epithets and horrible language for gay people and all these things and hand jobs and things like that. Yeah. 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 Um, I think the sex that probably did actually have a weird thing for me at that age. Cause I was like, what is going on with this? But all the gore, I mean, I was already watching, I was already full on into horror movies in their full extent. So it had no, that had no effect. <laughs> I think the childhood stuff did because I literally had no friends at the time. Like just none. Like, not a single friend. So the stuff with, like, Ben kind of hit home. Yeah, like, the idea of, like, oh, like... But even that they end up having a, a group of people, and I was like, where the fuck are my group of people? You know, like, that that was even a thing. Um, uh, but I also think, like... And I think this continues to be true, and it, and, and it might actually turn into one of my problems with the movie, which is, like, all of the other stuff that I think people would be concerned about, like the awfulness of the children and the other people and the shit that they say, that was still true in 1980s, uh, I guess this would be like 88, 89, you know, Collingswood, New Jersey. That's still how people talked around me all the time. Yes, someone and I- it was actually like the most I connected to. It. I, I think maybe some of the language a little bit more than I was used to, but most of it was how kids I knew talked now. And then the idea that like when I tell people I read it, it's so young, they're like, Oh, but all that, like all that darkness from the people in the book, I was just like, what? It's funny. Like, that's how people are. What do you mean? There there, there was actually someone, I I watched some YouTube videos. It was like 20 things you didn't see in it where I was like, I I saw those things Um, like little Easter eggs. But the guy was, the guy was saying, talking about how Henry, in the book, um, it, it's it's it's. I was actually explaining this to someone. Uh, Mike Hanlon actually says in the book, like most of the pejorative terms for an African American I've ever heard, I heard from the lips of Henry Bowers between the ages of like eight and twelve. And then, as an adult, I was thinking like, that's really weird because most of the first times I heard these terms were from in the book. But someone had said like. Um, the big difference between Henry in, in this one and even Henry in the miniseries, because he drops an N-bomb in the miniseries, is that like they were like, he doesn't use racial language. And then I was like, yeah, that was kind of, I thought that was kind of fucked how they didn't kind of confront that and grab it by the balls and put it up. And he was like, well, that's just because of the 80s and things were like better then. And I was like, oh, wait, what? Like, you really thought there weren't racist people in the 80s in fucking Maine? <laughs> like... <laughs> Really, the son of a cop in Maine is not going to be racist. Weird. No, like. and I, I think, and we can talk about this as we get into the movie. That's part of what we're saying about the tonal thing, which is they really they they want to gesture to the dairy sickness, and they want to like gesture to the idea that it is kind of correlating to homophobia and racism, misogyny, and all that kind of stuff. But they, they don't want to like rub your because it's interesting. John Golson, I don't know if you guys know him, John Golson on, on Twitter uh, was yep. re- was rereading the book. And he, or maybe it was for the first time, he was really taken aback by that material. And like, he won't think he's almost stopped reading the book because the first hundred pages is just such a wallow in uh, the death of Adrian Mello uh, and the, the homophobia and the race. And it, he, Stephen King, really wants to rub your nose into into, the, into that kind of nastiness. And the movie gestures to it, even with uh, 
Eddie has his whole rant about AIDS blood, um, but they don't want to like. It, they want it, it'd be a fun time, and it, and if uh, Henry, Henry was spitting racial epithets into the face of that of the kid who plays Mike, uh, it wouldn't have been a fun horror movie. It would have been a, a, a nastier time. If that makes yeah. sense. I don't know. I don't know. I think we can get into that. Well, yeah. so uh, I guess let's wade into the movie. Like, what did everyone think? Ask someone specific. Uh, I want to hear. I, I want to because John accused me of not listening to the Mandate, and I was as I was listening to it. His episode. John does a podcast called The Mandate in the Cinepunks Network. It's very good. He did. He did a, a, a an episode on it, and um, I just I, it, he and I had a friendly rivalry. <laughs> I love John. John convinced me to mosh to Earth Crisis. This is hardcore. I want to point that out. Um, but John is a man who does not like remakes, whereas I don't care. And online, he and I have kind of like a like a sparring match, you could say, like a very like Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa at the end of Rocky Three. Whereas John was like not really Wait, excited. Who am I? Am I Apollo or Rocky? Uh, you can be Apollo. Yeah, he's, got, be, cool, he's yeah. got cool shorts. You can bring me. You can bring me back from the brink and help me. You know, find the you know the, the eye of the tiger again. Um, you were not expecting this movie to be good, and you had like a drastic turnaround. I did. Um, tell us about that. So, like, my thing with remakes, and I'll only go off on the spiel for like a quick second, just to give you an idea. I don't like remakes for the sake of ruining creativity in Hollywood. If it with it doing well. Um, with it being like, if you're going to remake it, remake it like this movie, make it good. Don't make it like a, like, don't, don't do what they did with like Ben Hur. Like try to remake a, like a, a classic, which is like, you know, arguably top three film of all time. Or as Josh pointed out, like point break. Like, yeah. That's why, yeah, why bother? Yeah, like, yeah, that too. Um, I don't, I don't want to remakes to do well because it says to Hollywood, Hey, let's, let's, what else can we remake? This movie did amazing. So my thing is if a movie and I am of the mindset that the, and I'm, I'm turns out that I'm kind of in the minority on this. I thought that the, while the original miniseries is hokey as hell, um, I saw it was still effective. People are still afraid of Tim Carey. Yeah. Like he, he is still on a very iconic like his Pennywise portrayal. People are like, and I've seen people like I've seen, people who are too horror being like, I'm not even bothering. Why even bother making this movie? Because Tim Curry never, no one's ever going to top Tim Curry without even giving it a shot. I knew I was going to see it because I have such a, like a love affair with the book. It, it is a horror movie. It's, you know, my thing was, I didn't think it was going to be, I thought they were going to too modernize it. I thought they were going to, because Hollywood has a tendency to do that. Take my favorite movie of all time, evil dead. When they remade the evil dead, there were some decent things in it, but I thought they overall like ruined the, 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 the theme, the story of the, of the, that didn't have any character, just a bunch of zombies yeah. cutting people up. So I, so I thought that that's what they were going to do with it. I thought it was going to be, they were going to take too many liberties. It was going to ruin the, the spirit of the book. Um, cause even the, the, the miniseries kind of captures the spirit. It's just, it was 1990 on ABC. Like you can't, it's, it's clumsy. Yeah. It, yeah. They, they did with, they did what they could with what they had. Yeah. And it, I, I really enjoyed it at the time, but like rewatching it, how many fucking like, okay. The bike montage where they're riding around the, the Mike and uh, Bill are riding as adults are riding the bike around in the playground. Fuck you. Or like how many goddamn reunion dinner scene. You know what I mean? Like the, at points, I get it. Like it. I, I take all that stuff into account, but 
I think re-watching it now, it's really, it's actually hard for me to watch. It's like distractingly bad yeah. at times. Even taking into account that Tim Curry is pretty cool, he's it. fine. He's pretty cool. He's, he's fine. He, I, I'm not a crazy. I'm not a fan of his of his Pennywise, but his acting, he does w- with what he can with what the script. Like it's it's fine. I. You want him to be in as Pennywise. You want him to be less charming or less funny and more like like I like disturbing. I, like I said in the review, and I'll I just I want John to keep talking. So I'll just say this last. I want it to be less an evil clown and more like I said in the review. What Bill Skarsgård was an ill fitting human suit on something. Inhuman, sure, sure. So, All right. yeah. So, so that was my that essentially that was my my thought process going into the movie. That it was going to be too much. I was like, "There's no way." And then, and then, any hype that it was going to get was going to be overhyped. This movie was not going to hit any. People are going to come. Non horror fans or the casual horror fans that go see that love movies like Saw and shit would yeah. use, would be like, "Oh my god, this is the scariest movie ever!" But you know, people like us would walk out going. Eh, it was all right, you know. Yeah, they did some cool things. Yeah. It was gory. That's how. That's how I thought going in. I will admit, and I said this in the mandate. Once I started seeing sh- the first trailer, didn't sell me at all. I was like, eh, he kind of looks all right as Pennywise, but they didn't really show you much. They didn't. They didn't really show anything in the first yeah. trailer. Once the, the the full trailer came out, and once they started doing like the Comic Con stuff, and I started hearing about that float vr thing and stuff that was actually a pile of shit i did it at, was it really i, I did it at, well, at monster mania it was but, not cool. but i heard i heard some stuff going in about it sure and i was like all right now the interest is starting to get there and yeah. then i was so once 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 all that i went in with hopes that it was going to be good like when when josh and i saw a couple weeks ago i was i was like all right i'm going to give this one an honest shot like i'm not <laughs> going to go in with it angry and when i left i was like man i'm going to eat so much crow on this <laughs> <laughs> um and I loved it. I thought it was great. Like, I don't, there's certain things that I wish they did. Like, I wish they had Eddie Corcoran's death yes, in it because uh, number one, yes. Eddie Corcoran's death is one of, if not the most terrifying parts I've ever read in ever book. That and the pat, the, the death of pat, death of Patrick Hockstetter. Like it, like I still have nightmares. I'm 34 years old. I still have nightmares about waking up in a dark room with something about to eat me, which is how Patrick dies in the book. Like in the movie, it's sort of like, uh, yeah, but in the book, it's like, yeah, and then he just wakes, he lakes, he wakes up, and there's no light, and he can't see anything, and something's fucking eating him. Like, Jesus Christ! But I'm sorry, Ren, go on. I forget what I was saying now. Uh, Eddie Corker in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that there are to, things you wish were in it. Yeah. But. I, well, and I'm gonna have to assume it because it's the you know, creature from black lagoon that kills him. That universal was like, nah, we're not giving you that because they also don't show the Wolfman in it. Either, yes. As either. Very true. They yeah. don't even mention the Wolfman in it. I mean, they have some other stuff. I, I also think that works with the re with the re timing of the movie in the sense that like eighties kids, these kids were not here for the universal monsters. Not in the same way. They're not as imprinted with them the way that 50s kids would have done. Takes place in 1989 after Fred Decker did Monster Squad. They could have used the Gilman Monster, Monster Squad. Monster Squad. No, 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 no. Monster Squad was a giant flop. It didn't make any fucking money. That's You're why Fred Decker flop. doesn't make... You're a giant flop. The, the whole the whole compelling story of Monster Squad is how everyone was wrong because no one liked it. Well, maybe, it was fucking Eddie, great maybe Eddie Corcoran was like us, who was a horror fan... <laughs> Who loved Monster Squad, <laughs> and you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> I love but I'm you. just saying, like when I read that, when I read that in the book, and I've and I, like, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm on my third time reading through. Like I still am like, man, get away, get away. And I know he's not. Yeah, like, I, I know it's ha- it's not going to happen. But right. when that when that scene happens, like it's I I don't care what's going on around me. I page turn that that I'm just 
sucked into that scene. You, I, I was really bummed that they didn't put that in there. That's my, that's probably my biggest complaint about the film is that they just didn't do that scene. And they made it, and the thing that, uh, it, for, side note real quick, if you get a chance, you should listen to the Stephen Weber reading of it as the audiobook. His reading that book, especially when he does the voice of Dorsey, like his little brother coming out of the, out of the thing, yeah. out of the canal, is next level. Um, yeah, and it was weird because, like, like I think like a day or two before the movie came out, they released as like a promotional f- image all these like new missing posters, and it was like Betty Ripson, Patrick Hoxetter, and then just like Eddie Corcoran. And they had been doing the the Betty Ripson, Ripson, and Patrick Hoxetter for like months now. But this was the first time they brought up like Eddie Corcoran, and I was like, yo, if they show fucking Eddie Corcoran getting attacked by the Gill Man, I will fucking die a happy person. And then it's just like, yeah, they found his hand all chewed up down by the standpipe. Like, yeah, that was. But I will say on this, on the flip side, I did like some of the things they changed, like getting rid of the birds for uh, Stan and making yes. it, making it that flute woman. That fucking painting. I said this before we were recording. That might be in the top five scariest things I've ever seen in a movie. That was so fucking scary. Like, I, I'll just I'll, I, don't, I don't know if it was. It didn't hit me like that, but I was like, man, this is a vast improvement from what yes. the hell they did in the book, and it also explains especially using her again later with like actually catching him yes. and, and, and like biting his face that will help a lot of people who see the second one and wonder why Stan offs himself why like right crumbles. away. Yeah. Like immediately, as soon as Mike calls him, he's like, I'm going to go. And I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think doing that and doing it that, that way makes it easier to sell that point in the next one. I agree because it makes it, it cause he's gonna be like, fuck that. I'm not getting bit in the face again by that. I'm not that dealing movie. with fucking this flute playing painting like i mean that was pretty i mean he gets like he's fine sure whatever but like seeing that image i was like fuck like you know what i mean he's only he's the only one that really deals with something like that right like even uh beverly she i mean she's she's comatose so she's not really even seeing any of the stuff she sees the deadlights and goes comatose but she doesn't really deal with anything stan's the only one that in this in this movie specifically deals with something gets its hands on him and like i mean it's like fucking with eddie yeah but this was like I don't even know if it was eating him. I don't know what it was doing. I th- I honestly think like I after seeing it like again, I honestly think that it was just doing that just to fuck with him because like to scare him. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because exactly. like, like, what does a monster do when it catches you? It eats you, and like it, you know, it's like just dragging it as long as possible. Exactly, making it like making it as excruciating and like just terrifying and painful. Yeah, because when he when and the kid sells it awesome when he gets up. I mean, that kid is like snotting all. I felt so bad during that that one when Eddie's getting to like like all these poor kids had to do this. How many times? uh, It's kids crying. Yeah, I mean, I I I did have to wonder like how like you hope it wasn't a lot of takes. Yes, how many takes could you bring up that kind of emotion? Like they're really effective. Like uh, at least the Losers Club. Yes. Every time they're scared or they're happy or whatever it is they're doing, there's no moment where you're like, eh, fucking kid actors. Like, yeah, they're, they fucking kill it. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I did read was interesting about the production is they kept Bill Skarsgård away from them. Right. Like 90% of the, yeah, like, we, off when they weren't filming, they kept him and them separate. So every time he came on and he did something new and something weird, like whatever he did to torment those kids, you were basically, they were basically getting like they, a live reaction from those kids. We were talking about it before you got here. Like that scene when he's like in Eddie's face and Richie and, and Bill come in the looks on their faces, that was the first time they saw Bill Skarsgård in character. Like, they had done readings with him and everything like that, mm-hmm. like, out of character, 
but when he when when they walk in and he's like got Eddie by the face and he like looks over and he's like, "Hey, Bill, is this real enough for you?" Yeah, like that was them first seeing. So like, I'm not entirely sure. Like the look on um, Finn Wolfhard's face where he's just like, "What the?" F-? Like I'm not entirely sure that was acting and more just like Jesus Christ, like uh, like Michael Caine seeing uh, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight for the first time. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, yeah, and that, and that's. I thought that was effective, not because I knew that going in that they didn't they didn't get to see him much. So that when they did have to deal with him, um, when they were acting with Bill Skarsgård in full costume, that these were going to be more like uh, like ner- more nervous, like because they don't and he's in he's in character. Like they said, once he once they were like you know, put him in his makeup, he was Pennywise. Yeah, yeah, like he, yeah. Like he 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 really like did that like method acting and he turned into Pennywise. So he he was probably just messing with these kids even when they were like cut and he would probably just still continue That's to mess with them. No, I, see, I, I read a thing where he said like, like he at one point he he scared a group of kids so much they started crying he immediately stopped and started apologizing. He felt terrible. Oh. Yeah, with Eddie, like Eddie, like I guess the actor who played Eddie like freaked out and he was like, yo, like is this too much? Like, and he was like, no, it's good. Like keep it, keep doing it. And oh. um. Yeah, he did a little. I actually saw him on uh, I don't know one of these fucking late night shows, and he like he told that story, and he actually described it like it was off putting to him because he assumed that this kid was actually upset. It didn't occur to him that this kid is just like that good of an actor. So he was like, "Yo, are you all right? Like, you okay?" And the kid's like, "No, it's great, good, good, good work. I like what you're doing. The character, real, real good job." <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, "Yo, could you imagine being like? Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a, I was a pretty tough kid in a lot of ways, but." I couldn't imagine being a kid actor and having to get up that kind of emotion and then being like, all right, man, good good work. Yeah, yeah, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a little fucking upset. If you wouldn't mind going away for a few minutes so yes. I could like chill out, that'd be great. <laughs> Brendan, what did you think? I loved it. Uh, I went absolutely nuts, nuts for this movie, honestly. I, I walked out just giddy with how excited I was for it. Um, this may be because I'm a little bit younger than you guys. I have absolutely no affection for that miniseries from 1990. Um, I can, I think it's, I think it's unwatchable, honestly. Uh, other, I guess I'll, I'll hats it to Tim, to Tim Curry. Um, I don't, I, I don't think he's good Pennywise. Uh, love the guy. I think he's, good, I think he's giving a good performance. I'll, I'll, I'll echo. Uh, I think he's giving a good performance, but I think it's, it's completely wrong. You should not be laughing at Pennywise. You should not be excited to see Pennywise show up. Um, you should be dreading him. And with Tim Curry, he's charming and goofy and funny. Scary, too. Um, but I, I think it's a completely wrong take for that character. Um, so I, I was f- fully on board for them to do a, a new version of, of this story. I was scared they would screw it up and, or, and neuter it. Um, they don't. <laughs> uh, pretty obviously they don't. Uh, so, no, I, I was so happy the entire two plus hour running time for this movie I was just o- over the moon for it um, there's stuff I, I, I said I'll look, I, I, I was bummed they, they cut Eddie Corcoran I was bummed they didn't do Patrick Hawksetter uh, as well as I would have liked I, I think I, I, I'll, I think his death is a horrifying passage of that book so I was bummed that they, it's kind of just standard zombie attack um, and just a, a, a little uh, it's Mike who gets attacked by the birds in the book no, no st- well, well, Mike, Mike gets, gets attacked, attacked by the giant bird. bird. Stan, Stan is the bird watcher. watcher. Yes. I think Stan's, Stan's, yeah, Stan's, Stan's actually avatar of it in the book is the two dead boys. Yes, and that's my favorite of the standalone attacks in the book is, is was the Stan at the pipe. 
uh, getting attacked by the So I was a little bummed. I was a little disappointed that it was the, the lady in the painting instead. But the lady in the painting is, is so executed so well that I didn't that, mind. That, that, even, even, even the two dead boys, boys it's, 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 I totally understand why Stan was like, fuck all of you. Yes. So I, so I, so I was actually a little they, they didn't do his. That's my, that's my favorite standalone bit. But then they actually they do it, but with the the with the painting woman at the end when he's by himself in, in the pipe and the woman comes after him. So uh, no, I, I I was flabbergasted by just how I was so happy they kept um, so many of the little moments with the, with the losers, um, and they they walk a very fine line with those kids where they're just annoying enough to be believable as kids. But not so annoying that you stop wanting to, to watch them because Eddie and Richie, especially, uh, they can be a bit much. Uh, there's a reason they have beep beep Richie. Um, so, but with the way that Finn Wolfhart, I love that kid's name, um, and the, the boy who plays Eddie, that you you get their personalities, but you don't get tired of them, and you, you and you root for them the, the whole the whole way through, uh, which is it's tough to do with little kids can be annoying in horror movies. Uh, they scream a lot, uh, but no, I, I think they nailed pretty much everything that I love about that book completely. Uh, I was over the moon in love with this. I think um, I think there's a lot of reasons. I'm I'm with actually with you for the most part on the '90s miniseries, and I think there's a lot of reasons to be that way. But I think the, what this movie shows me is how much of it is the kids. Yes, like the last time I tried to watch the miniseries, the girl was the only kid that I didn't hope did die. Like every one of those kids, I was like, "Man, uh, we got your wish in real just... life because Jonathan Brandis is dead." Oh my god! That's not that's not what I'm going. But, but what I mean is, like, they're not. None of them are charming or interesting for me. And as adults, they're not really that charming or interesting either. Totally, yeah. Uh, but but in this movie, every single one of the Losers Club kids, I think, works. It's sh- it's, wanna, sh- I, I, it's shocking just go- that they 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 found seven really good child actors who also perfectly align with the, the, the personality. It, it's crazy to find a kid who, like, the kid who plays Stan, the kid who, who's like, wow, like, that, not only is this kid a good actor, he also, he is Stan Yuris. Like, I, I look at him like, yep, that, that's Stan, that's what Stan looks like. Uh, it's it's a, a real, it's a crazy gamble to take, and it paid off beautifully, literally, it paid off beautifully, because it made it all yeah, the money yeah. this weekend. <laughs> So I want to uh, I want to jump in as the uh, one person I think who's the least excited when it comes to this movie. But I want to say first because I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but the conversation around this movie it hasn't even been a weekend yet, and people are like getting very intense about this thing on Twitter. And it's like on one hand you've got these fucking shit bags who want to claim that it's not a why is it every time a horror movie is good someone wants to say that it's not a horror movie (laughs) yeah yeah well for this they're all like well it's more of like a family drama or it's more like a kid's it's a psychological thriller it's a psychological thriller all these people are stupid it's a character based drama with some monsters like no it's a it is the it it is like the thing that I compared to in my head was in the same way that dragged me to hell was great because it was such an unrelenting thing this is that cranked up to 11 because it's longer and it's kids so it is just being it's like being just punched in the face with monsters and mayhem and craziness for over two hours and let you off the hook at the very very end 
Um, right. But uh, no, I, I, I had read that. I had read that argument before. Seeing like, people saying it's not horror and think that well, that's dumb. Seeing them like that is the dumbest thing I have ever read to watch that movie and be like, it's not horror. So uh, there's, there's that going on, and then of course, uh, because it is good, there's on the other end like uh, someone was like, oh, the greatest adaptation ever made. And I'm like, okay, y'all. Like, it's not even the it, greatest Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel like in a world where fucking Jaws exists, yeah. like, get out of my goddamn face. Like, like I just can't deal with 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 those levels of hyperbole. So I want to say ahead of time of cr- criticizing it just a teeny bit that I really loved it. And in fact, when me and Justin left, we we also were giddy. Like oh leaving God. the theater, we were fucking stoked. I think in in retrospect. Um, I, 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 I think this is the best we can hope for from this movie. I think the more that I think about it, what I don't love is related a bit to pacing and sort of the way that you just described it. It's like nonstop. Like the movie fucking goes. And uh, I think what I like about the book is not that. Um, though that doesn't mean that I didn't like the movie, but I think... The one thing I was thinking is like if they had done this not as a movie, but if they had done a another longer I don't even say miniseries, if they had done this with the same actors, the same director, uh the same screenwriter, but obviously a different script as like a short series, like a, amazing. Like a limited like season. Stranger Things type deal. Yeah, totally. And like, just do the same split. I'm even okay. At first, I was real upset when I heard about the split between we're going to do the kids first, then we're going to do the adults. Because I like the way in the book they play off of each other. That movie would have to be like fucking seven hours. Well, that's what I was saying. But but I'm saying even if they did it as a series, I'd be okay with splitting it up, like doing a kid season and an adult season. I'd actually be okay with that because the movie actually in that sense worked. Like I was worried the movie wouldn't work without the adults. But actually, that is not what bothered me. At all, and, and and again, I shouldn't even say bothered. What I noticed, what I noticed is that I missed some of the subtext that there was no time. I, w- I shouldn't even say subtext. I missed some of the themes that there was no time for. Like, yeah, I, I I don't think when they scrub out all of the horrible language, I don't think that's because they want to present a dairy that's like nicer or something because yeah. the adults are still awful like there's no good adult you know like i think they really get this idea that something's wrong in dairy i think they just don't have the time to really spend with that material that they would for modern audiences for them to be like okay this is where we're at i think uh, i think the movie just goes at a pace and it accomplishes something really great and really fun but for me i just was thinking i missed those things where, where are you? um go ahead sorry liam Oh, no, I mean, I, I think it's a fair trade-off for what we get, which is The Losers Club is great. Pennywise is great. Uh, I have uh, I said this to you all before we started, uh, but I'll say it on the recording. Personally, I think Bill Skarsgård is good enough that I wish we saw more of him just on screen with the makeup and not CGI stuff happening. And that's not to say the CGI is bad in those scenes. Um, maybe towards the end, there are some scenes that push the CGI harder than it can go. Especially Justin had said before, but you know, I'll steal his idea when they're fighting it. When the kids are fighting him, it gets a little excessive with the transformations and stuff into the spider legs. Yeah, the, I, hmm. the the thing is, is like none of that was the end of the world for me. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, I like him so much that I want to see more of him. You had said walking out of the theater, you wish that Bill Skarsgård would have just played every adult in this movie. Oh, <laughs> side note, when I was watching it, because every adult is so awful, I was thinking like, you could do a version of this movie where every adult 
this would be if you went the other way with CG, I guess. But like, if Bill Skarsgård was just like uh, mo-capped into every adult, like so, is his face, but then a different body, that would actually work because every adult is a monster in this. Was movie. anyone like, else waiting it, for the moment where like Bev's dad or Eddie's mom, like their eyes would like glow yellow or something like that? I was kind of I, I was thinking about that, and uh, I, I know there there were some people who, on, on Twitter who have been saying they were like, "Do you think Bev's dad was like when when he went after her? Do you think that was like an avatar of it, or was that actually Bev's dad?" I was like, "No, that was Bev's dad, and I'm pretty sure she killed him." Like Bev's dad, he's know, bleeding no, out. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 it, he's not like um, all, like uh, Bev's dad and 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 Eddie's Eddie's mom. I I think that highlights the point that like. They're the type of people that it can use effectively. They're yeah. the type of people where there's just the pieces laying around, and it could just go in there and pick them up, and you know, make. And you know, was Bev's dad being influenced by by Pennywise? Maybe because in the book, Bev says like it's not possessing him, but um, you know, it is influencing him in some way. Well, you guys have read the book more recently than me. Is the idea in the book that Dairy is? bad because of it or is it comfortable in dairy because something's wrong in dairy well we'll get to that because because brent brandon and i were talking about the over twitter um unclear yeah i i just you know we'll, we'll, we'll get there i just want to all yeah. i'm saying is my memory of it is that that is what you're saying is that it's ambiguous and i again the film doesn't have a chance to get to that and i but when i say that i don't want to say and it should have because I really want to say this is the best we can hope for, I think, of yeah. a movie of this story. I, I mean, we'll see. Maybe the part two, maybe we'll all be regretting this because part two will actually be a piece of shit. But as of right now, this is this is really good. This is, like, I think the best we can get. I just really wish, and I'm not saying this could ever happen. There's probably not the money or the will. But if it could have been a series, I think we could have gotten some of the underlying stuff but i also wonder if maybe i would be wrong maybe if they did delve into all that material and it got more complicated and we got more time with those characters maybe it wouldn't work maybe it would get messy i'm just i'm just saying i missed that stuff a little bit when i was watching the movie and i felt a little rushed and the the one place in the movie itself where i feel it the most is the the bullies you know the 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 those characters are so in this movie, so fucking surface, and yes. even their acting is not great compared to the Losers Club. They just are like, "Oh, I'm angry," and like we don't get much more from them. And I kind of want more from those characters in this story. But on the other hand, it's what is it? Two hours and fifteen minutes? Like, yeah. What? Do, I don't know that I need. I, I'm in a weird. I'm in that position you get sometimes when because there's another material, and I know we could get more from those characters. I want it. But would I really want to watch a three-hour it or a fucking three-and-a-half-hour it? Like, the length is pretty good, yeah. and it kept me in, in the whole time. So I, I guess what I'm feeling is more of an ambiguity about that. But that being said, I really loved a lot of the movie. There's just things I wish – I mean, kind of like you guys. Like, I don't remember all the kills and stuff because I haven't read the book in so long. So it wasn't like there were that many things specifically I was missing. But I guess I was missing some more of the, like – the texture of dairy and the texture of the kids, the bad kids. Yeah. Whereas I think the losers club, we don't get that much from them backstory wise, but those kids are so good that I, I, and maybe I'm biased because I read the book. I felt like I knew the characters enough in the movie. I, there was none, none of them was I like, what the fuck? You know, like I think they all kind of worked as they were. Well, what, what we're kind of at disadvantage of is because this is intended to be only half of the story. They've given themselves the pieces that a second movie could in theory, delve more into stuff like the black spot uh, and the more... Yeah, bank robbers. 
Well, yeah. The, yeah, the Bradley gang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they 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 they've given themselves those pieces that if they want to come back for the second, in the same way that I assume the second one will dig into the stuff like the turtle and the deadlights. Uh, they could elaborate more on, on that stuff and dig more into the idea of it as more of a pervasive th- thing that in, that influences uh, the racism, misogyny, and the homophobia. They, it's, it's one thing where it, it is missing from this story. From this, you want to criti- we want to criticize it for not having that subtext here or that text here. They could very much do it in the second half. Like, like oh, okay, they were saving it for that. If that makes. No, it makes uh, it makes sense. No, I, I mean, uh, I do want to touch back upon uh, the whole it or dairy being bad to begin with. Um, uh, I just this movie, uh, Liam was next, literally sitting next to me while I was watching it. So you know, I I love this movie um, from the get go. I thought um, I thought George dying was better than the way it was described in the book. Um, the way the way. The way Skarsgård's acting was, I, I said it when I saw the footage that was attached before Annabelle. It was it was honestly like watching a child molester isolate and lure a victim away from its friends. Yeah, like the way he was talking, his cadence, you know, it, it was it was like this thing where I don't know if you guys noticed, like, um, and it wasn't intentional. It was actually like uh, it was like an unintentional side effect of the prosthetics. He's drooling. Yeah, like, I saw that, yeah. like scars, and they were just like Muschietti was like, just run with it, man. It, but it's actually, so good. It's yeah. it's so, like the yeah. best. That was an accident. Oh my god! And, and, yeah. and he says like, and he says like, when he's like asking, "Do you have any friends?" and he's like, "Oh, like my brother." And he goes, "Where's he?" Like, "Oh shit, I can get two for one right now." And then later, when George is about to walk away, and Pennywise does this like, "Well, don't don't you want your boat?" Like, it's like this like fear that the prey is getting away, and it's like a child molester and like a junkie. Like the junkie almost has that fix. And then it's like it's getting away. He's like, I better wrap this up quick. And then like, I the the fuck I, I'm getting goosebumps right now in broad daylight talking about this. Just the way like it the the, the goblin shark mouth. Like I thought the the, the CGI for, for 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 Pennywise itself when Pennywise drops the mask and you see like the, the the deep sea creature fangs with the wide mouth. That shit was so fucking spooky. Um, I I thought. I, I thought I thought George dying was just brutal and grim, and it was like because Ren, you remember like earlier in the um, the summer, Muschietti had released that thing where he was like, in my version, Bill doesn't know his brother's dead, yeah, and people were like, George better be fucking dead, yeah, dude. That that was that was another reason why I thought this movie was gonna be shit because I'm like, if Georgie is alive because he's using Georgie as like the Lord, yes, Bill, I was like, I will burn the theater yeah. down that I'm in if they if that's what happens. That would have been terrible. So then, like when the initial reviews came in and they, they, someone actually said they were like, Bill does not know his brother is dead, and I do think at the end of the movie when Bill when it hits home that his brother is dead, that payoff is amazing. It's it's such, such a hard, which I believe was a Fukunaga idea. Yes, yes. I believe that originally with his script. That that that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that because I read I read the the two I read some of the scripts last night and they could have been wholly different. Um, but no, George is fucking dead. Like we see him, like you know, Pennywise bites his fucking arm off, and then like, like it's so just brutal and like, I, it just really it, it sets the standard for the rest of the movie. Okay. But in, in, in here's but here's here's my thing. I, I agree with you. The, what, what they do with that thing is interesting in that scene is that in the book what happens is Pennywise rips his arm off and George is left to lie bleeding to death in the street and that that's it and yeah, so, yeah, like Pennywise just takes his arm and is like yep I got my drums right but 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 the, the, the image of like the little boy in, like just lying on the street 
Di- I think that sets a, the, the very grim tone for for the for the for the book. In the movie, it happens. It but it's it's a big like effects scene, like the monster mouth, and then like the, the way his arm stretches out of the sewer to drag. It's so scary. it's terrifying, but it's also it's heightened. Yes. It's, yes. It's, and for me, that sets a tone of of the, of the movie, which is we're gonna it's gonna be dark, it's gonna be bloody, but it's gonna be a fun time. Yeah, and I, I think the the thing I liked most about this movie was I, I found like I was watching it and it was I was equal parts like terrified and I was also just like like almost joyously crying because it was like all these characters I was like finally like it's like seeing an old friend like seeing like you know every time Richie said anything I was like man this this fucking kid nails it and like Ben like oh it was just. Ben's crush on Beverly was so adorable and then like all the little like when they're talking about like the well house like I love the idea that there's just this thing that's been living underground and then like because they do touch upon it in the book that the original dairy colony disappeared but when Ben says like all they found was like a trail of bloody clothes leading to the well house and then like where's the well house now and then the next shot is Eddie walking down fucking Kneebolt Street and when I saw that street sign for Kneebolt Street it was just like holy shit like you know that was that was just something that um because it's it's not uh, again like Eddie's encounter in the book with the leper is one of the scariest things in any Stephen King book ever. Because it starts out with a grown man offering a child oral sex for a quarter, and that's just what puts the thought in Eddie's head. Is like he encounters a homeless man who does that, and then like months later, when he's like compelled to go back to this house, like that's the form that it chooses. And um, the leper, like the way it's it's executed in this movie is. So good. Like, Javier Botet is... I, I think that guy needs to be in more shit because he just is fucking terrifying in everything that he does. Um, but by and large, I, I really love this movie. I, I liked all... For the most part, the deviations they did from 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 the king, from the source material, I thought it was really great. I really liked how they made Ben like the amateur historian. They didn't do any bullshit. Like, um, you know, it was it wasn't like... Like it, it was like no, this kid's like a lonely kid who's like a history buff, and that's why he understands that there's this pattern of terrible shit happening. Like it, it's a, it wasn't a leap to believe that this kid who does this as a hobby would 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 would, would find this out. Um, and then, uh, can you help me with that one though? Why did they make that switch? I didn't care one way or the other per se, but I didn't know because why. in the book, in the book, the history of Derry is revealed through Mike telling us in the interludes as right. like a first per, as a first person narrator. Oh, I and it, see. It would be kind of tricky. So I think when they use it, when they use it as Ben, is just like this. Here's this kid who's like a history buff, who's like, "Holy shit, this new town I live in is actually like a fucking horrifying breeding ground for something terrible." Which is why I think, they, like I said, I think they might revisit stuff, some some of this material in the second yeah. movie with, with Mike as in his role as a historian, because yeah. as an adult who works at the library, he would be able to know more than just an 11 year old kid or a 12 year old. However, they old how old how old are they supposed to be in this? I think, I think they're 13 because they're 11 in the books. Because it, it takes place in 89, and at one point, Richie's screaming, like, I, you know, this is my birthday, and blah, 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 1976. Ah, uh, right, 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 okay. Well, uh, and he says, uh, Ben says, he's like, yeah, when, when I come back, I'll be, I'll be 40. I'll be 40, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, they're like um, 13. So, the, the, the one deviation from the book I really liked, and I, I think that, that it translated well to the movie, was the final encounter with it. And instead of doing, and I, I love the ritual of Chewed, I love the turtle, but translating translating that to film for the first time is a little weird. So if they had to go any other way, I'm glad it was like the fucking like a bulldoze style beatdown where they literally just beat the shit out of Pennywise and then, um, you know, he just like disappears like down further down a hole. 
Um, I thought that was was well executed. How it was sort of like we're not afraid of you anymore, and like that's you're like you're the one who's afraid now. I thought that was really really good. Well, that's why that's why I said on Twitter after I saw the movies is, is I said that this is a really interesting gambit because the movies is, a, is an interesting gambit because it's basically asking, are you willing to watch children be tormented for two hours with the prompts at the end they will beat the shit out of the thing that was tormenting them? Um, yeah, and obviously people are, but it, it, it's a really like, like these kids, especially the I, I, this thing. The other thing I said on Twitter was. The last chunk of this movie is like horror's answer to the raid. The second, once they go into that pipe, it is just relentless in terms of how much shit gets thrown at them. Uh, literally, in the case of Eddie, who gets a, a giant like stream of like leper vomit into his into his face, um, and, and all of it is contingent on the, the the assumption. Okay, at some point, the kids are going to turn the tables and level this thing. And if they had done the ritual of chewed, I don't think it would have worked out. There is no way because also that's one of the problems I have with the book is when they when they they discover the ritual of chewed by Ben. Ben is just like, yeah, I read it in a book, and I'm like, I that's fine, but like, what fucking book was he reading? Like the Necronomicon, like you know, like it is one of the less in a book in which you are asked to believe many things that are slightly hard to believe. Yeah, it is one of the few things that even as a kid I went like. What do you mean he read it in a book? He read the ritual. Like, and it's also silly because like the, the, the Stephen King is is very exacting in his story details. Like, you, you, like there's a reason that thousand pages long is that they explain pretty much everything step by step. So for that one, like Ben shows up one day, is like, "Hey, I have this book and it talks about this ritual." It's like, wait, what? It was uh, I, I just I I, I like I, that was a deviation that I I, I I thoroughly enjoyed. Well, and it also allowed for some like I mean. If you're gonna make this movie, there has to be at least some like uh, fun crowd pleasing. Like even like there are things in the movie that I think are satisfying if you're a book fan. But when my man picks up the baseball and says, bat, "I don't gotta kill this fucking clown," like I now, almost started. You, this moshing. is your fault, and now I gotta kill this fucking clown. Even if you've never read a word of Stephen King in your life and you were dragged to this movie against your will, I don't believe there's a human who saw that and went, "Well, it's dumb." Every yeah. human is like, yeah, yeah f- get that fucking thing. You That's know, up like, there with like Asta La Vista, baby. Wait, for me can we back point. up a second? Did you say bulldoze beatdown yes. earlier? <laughs> oh, you motherfucker! It was a uh, DMS beatdown. It was. It, it was, was a, loser, a, a losers club beatdown. It was in fact a DMS beatdown. Yeah, like that was no joke. Well, um, especially because it's the Stranger Things kid who says that, which they could not have predicted when they, when they when they started making it. The fact that it's the kid from Stranger Things who everyone already loves going into the movie. He's the one one kid that everyone already has an attachment to. Yes, except for except for the except for if you're from Philadelphia and you know that one kid is is Wes's kid. Yeah, Yeah, but that kid's actually really good in other things. Yeah, he's actually a really good actor. When 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 I looked it up because I was like, which one is Wes's kid again? So Brendan, just so you know, a guy from bands in Philadelphia, his kid is Bill. Whoa! Yeah, he's awesome. I knew that vaguely, but even watching it, I couldn't remember which one it was. I had to look it up later. And then when I looked at his filmography, I was like, this kid's a good actor. Yeah. Pretty much everything in, he's in recently has been really good. He was in St. Vincent. Yeah, uh, he's really he good did in that. Book of Henry, which was awesome. awesome. He was, he was uh, Midnight Special, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he was, was Midnight awesome Special. in Midnight Special. Yeah. So like, I didn't even realize that. And I'm like, huh, I opened for his band in like Audubon Park, New Jersey in like 2001? Yeah, before 2000? the kid was born. Yeah, yeah, way before the kid was can born. I, can I say, the thing that I was super worried going into this movie, and I was, I'm sorry I didn't mention it earlier, um, none of the trailers showed Bill stuttering, so I was really, really worried. That, yeah, started, I, that he wasn't going to stutter. I didn't even think about that. No, how they were portrayed, because Jonathan Brandis in, in the miniseries is like, like when someone says like, do a fake stutter, 
it's like that's not how people who stutter actually sound. Like this kid in this movie actually sounded like someone who stutter. So I, I was yeah. worried going from the show. I was like, oh, are they not? Are they? Are they? Are they not going to have him stutter because it's a, it's a child actor and he couldn't do it convincingly? As soon as he started talking, he started stuttering. I was like, yep, he did. And they actually did my favorite bit from it, which is he thrusts his fist against the post and still insists he sees the ghost, which yes. is what haunted me for years after reading that book. Um, and it did. It's like, you nailed it. You nailed it. You did it. Yay. <laughs> well, what I think in the miniseries is they made Jonathan Brandis do it too much. Yeah. Now, like, and now, don't get me wrong. Like, there's certain points in the book, both the adult uh, part and the kids part, where Bill starts – he gets, like, ramped up and he starts stuttering, especially when they, like, meet each other at the uh, the diner, when they all come back to Deary and they start remembering things. Yeah. Like Bill, all of a sudden, Bill's stutter comes back and it's, like, bad, like, right away. Like, every other word is is written with a stutter. Um, in the miniseries, they made Jonathan Brandis do it too much. Whereas this kid does it like he doesn't even do it every sentence. It's like every it's like a word, yeah. one word in the sentence, and then you know he might not do it for like a couple sentences, and then he says it, again, and then he stutters over himself again. I like that they maybe it's in the screenplay or the script or whatever that they held that back to make it more effective and more believable. Yes. Um, so can I? Uh, I think we've we've talked a lot about the movie as a whole. I I wanted to mention a, a couple of specific things that other people have been talking about, and I think it's worth it. And me and Justin talked about this like midway through the movie. The fucking library scene with the librarian. Apparently, a lot of people miss this. She's like standing behind Ben, just fucking leering at him. Well, and, and there's and two smiling, and there's yeah. there's two that yeah. are the same woman. And like apparently, uh, uh, just from posts about it. Lots of people in America miss this. I picked that up this, on that. I thought that was like it follows esque, like how it's just like standing back there, like yeah. Well, smiling. even the way she's standing, it looks like she looks like Pennywise, yes. like the way yeah. that she is presenting like, herself. Yeah, the, that was fucked up, right? That, that was, like really fucked my shit up, dude. Ben, the the headless kid, the way it was like, I that was a that was a perfect scene because like I was like, oh, this damn you know burnt kid's gonna come chase him, and then when he stepped down, and I was like, oh, but he doesn't have a head. That was like, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Even the way the way when 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 Ben is reading the book and he turns the page and it's the same page, and he and it's like slightly zooming in. I, I I've said this phrase about this movie a lot. It effectively captures what it's like to be in a nightmare, like that helpless. Like you ever have a nightmare where you're watching something scary on TV and you just can't look away because like you just it's a nightmare. You have to. That's what it, when he was like turning the page. It was like seeing in a nightmare how you're like fixated on something and you have to watch the way it plays out. Um, it was like the the whole there there were scene the scene any scene that involved it being in you know present. It all reminded me of the fucking dumpster scene in Mulholland Drive. Like, n- not not the dumpster bomb coming out, but the walk up to it. Like, it all had that vague, ominous, dreamlike feeling. Like, some terrible shit is like right around the corner, and I'm not sure if I'm prepared to to to, to deal with it. Well, it's also because they, they they skip or just don't don't do. They don't. They never give you the rules of it. In this movie, and the, the kids the, in the book, they spend a lot of time discussing the various rules of Pennywise and where it comes from, that kind of thing. Because they skip all that stuff, it cre- it does create that dreamlike feeling. It creates this feel that it, it can get them pretty much anywhere. I mean, the, for me, the biggest scare in the whole film, the one that because I, I, I I'm a lunatic, so I was like I was like kind of like giggling it, and and uh, that's my reaction to being scared is, is to, like to giggle and then be excited for the ramp up. The thing that made me jump was when. Bev smashes her dad in the head and she turns and it's, it's just it's, he's right there and, and that was the in the trailers like we all knew that yeah. was coming and it was still, still scary. scary yeah so I, so I mean I left a foot um, it was it was effective in the fucking trailer 
I knew it was coming. And the whole movie, every time she fucking turned around, I thought, <laughs> he's going to be there and grab her. Like, there were multiple times where I'm like, this is the point where Pennywise grabs her by the neck. And yet, when it happened, I was like, oh, oh God, they got me. How'd they get me? I knew it was coming the whole time I was waiting for it. <laughs> but but that, that, to me, was like the the, 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 the real dreamlike flourish was that it, at any point, they're, they're, they do a really good job of selling the reality of Derry. And at any point, it can be violated by this like intrusion of a supernatural force, like the balloon in the back seat. Uh, and when, when Ben's getting beat up, uh, like the, the balloon on the mailbox when uh, Henry Bowers gets gets the knife back, um, they they did that very very well. I want I think a, a, a big shout out go to the guy who shot the movie. I don't know if I can pronounce his name correctly because he's a Buddhist a Korean gentleman. Uh, oh yeah, Chung Hoon Jung, who shot The Handmaiden. You guys see The Handmaiden? Yes. yes. Oh, oh shit! shit. I, I had no, no idea, idea it was the same guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, Rocky Rocky Wars pointed out in his review. Um, which is just a gorgeous, gorgeous movie, and it has this beautiful uh, look. It, it's just a very evocative uh, visual style that you feel like you're almost like sinking, sinking into the movie as it goes, which makes these uh, explosions of terror and, and they said these dreamlike moments, like or like with the slideshow bit uh, when they're clicking through the lights. Was, I feel like that was the highlight of the movie for me when he comes out of the the screen. So, well, yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to cut Brendan off, but that was. That that was terrifying seeing that in the trailer. That was that was the scene, like them watching it and then like the hair slowly moving with within each slide was I was like, that's that's the scene. Like he's messing with them via a, a photograph. My man Liam screamed that at that. <laughs> but, when, but, when, but, when, but when that big ass Pennywise with like the, the uh. huge Cheshire grin burst through the wall, like and he's like fifty feet tall, like I was like, All right. And it, it took me back to which this is like a thing for me. One of the first horror movies I ever remember watching and like taking in and remembering it was dream warriors. When that fucking warm version of Freddy eats Trisha Arquette, like that was like that scene for me. And that was a scene that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. It was the Freddy Krueger thing. So when he popped out of wall, like my mind went right back to being like seven years old watching Freddy Krueger eat Patricia Arquette. Yeah. I think because they showed the hair thing in the trailer, it, that part was less creepy than it could have been for me because I knew it was coming. But what that did on the other end was at least none of the trailers I watched showed the giant fucking... None of them did. And so when he comes out of... I thought that's... I'm like, we've basically seen what this scene has to show. When he comes out of the wall, I was like, as Justin just said, I yelled. I did not... And it, it was not I, it was not a girly yell. No, no. It was a masculine it was, yell. It, it, but it was like... A, and I don't mean that to say I, I wouldn't yell in a high-pitched falsetto. I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing. I've done that many times. The yell I made was the actual yell I make when I'm surprised of, oh, what's happening? Like, yeah. that's... The yell I made was not like a, I'm scared. It was a, something's happening that I don't understand. What do I do right now? Like, I, I <laughs> literally was like getting almost like defensive, like... Am I going to have to punch Pennywise? Like, what's happening <laughs> in this moment right now? Because it was it was like unsettling and uh, and a surprise. Like, I yeah. couldn't believe it. Um, before before we get into what we didn't like about this movie, and I have a, a couple things. I did some things already, but yes. Yeah. Um, I, I want to. Brandon brought it up about how uh, in this there's this. Is Derry a bad place naturally? Is that why it thrives there, or is Derry a bad place because of it? And I, I, I think this movie kind of makes it, um, I mean, like, people are evil. Well, this movie, I think, does what I want the book to, which is this book keeps it, this, this movie keeps it ambiguous. My problem with the, with the book, and we, we can we debate it on Twitter, we can talk about it here. I think in the book, as he often does, Stephen King comes down on the side of supernatural entity is influencing people like this. Because 
in the book they establish that it, the the actual not 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 the clown, but the the actual entity of of it, the cosmic thing. It's prehistoric. It, it's been it's been there since literally forever, and that's why Derry is the way it is. And I think that you know I think Stephen King is a very nice. And I think he's a very humanistic man. So with books like The Shining and like with Sam's Lot and like with It, he wants to come down on the side that it's an evil thing forced, you know, influencing people to do this stuff. Um, There's an external, external, external will. will like, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think, and for me, that to me takes the punch out of it. The idea, I, for me, the, the best parts of the book, the parts that resonate the most were the ones that, I, this idea of like petty evil begetting violent evil begetting the cosmic horror of the deadlights and of it and I think he undercuts that by treating it as the thing that's causing this as opposed to the other way around or making just keeping it ambiguous um, the movie I think keeps that ambiguity where because because they don't get they, because they don't get into its origins you're, you're allowed to interpret it however you like it, are these people feeding it or is it Causing, you know, influencing Bev's dad to attack her, Eddie's da- Eddie's mom to be Eddie's mom. The one makeup effect in the movie that doesn't work is, I, I assume, it's makeup effect is Eddie's mom. You ever seen what that, that actress looks like? Real real life? Life? Does she look like that in real life? No, she's, no, she's actually, actually quite pretty. pretty. Okay, so the, the, yeah. Yeah. I was watching. Like, there's no way that woman looks like that. Uh, yeah. it, no. it looks. It almost looks like the fat bastard suit from Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, um, she's. I mean, she's 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 a, she's a plump woman, but she's not. That, that, that was where I got the idea. Like, they could have easily replaced that woman with Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> and that's why I started to think, like, wow, every adult in this movie could just be Bill Skarsgård. It's still work. They could have done the bit where like he she pulls the mask off and it's Pennywise. Like, ah, aha, I get it. So one, I, I, I do I, I do like how they they, they, they they briefly talk about how dairy the original dairy colony disappeared and how they, there's all this it's all about this well and <clears throat> I'm gonna drop some knowledge on you guys as I've been known to do on this on this podcast in the original it I would say that it was ultra terrestrial Liam would you agree to that you'd say ultra oh, yeah outside. ultra definitely and, ultra terrestrial in yeah. this one I, I I think that Pennywise and it because it lives underground and it's been there and there's this well. I would say it's more crypto terrestrial than anything else. I gotta say it's crypto terrestrial. I like that. Yeah. I, it might be crypto terrestrial. So it, well, but we've already said this, and I think it's worth saying. There's another movie coming in yes. which they could reveal so, ultra terrestrial. But, but when background. it comes when it comes to the history of dairy and whether or not it is influencing people or people are just naturally bad, I do think to some degree that Bev's dad is naturally a fucking piece of shit child molester. I think Eddie's mom is a crazy domineering woman. But as my man L, my coworker who saw this movie with us. He has never read the book. He's never seen the miniseries. He asked, yeah, what was up with that painting? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, the painting that Ben was looking at in the library in one scene? And I was like, what painting? And then when I, when I, when I, when I saw it again, there's a scene where Ben looks at this painting and it's a woman holding a child by a well, like old dare this well. And Elle was like, do they like sacrifice children to it? Like, is there, is there something that's been going on where it has been, like, doing this for, like, hundreds? I'm like, well, I mean, they established it. It's been doing it for, like, hundreds of years. They, that it has been eating these people and, and, and praying. But is dairy, is dairy complicit? Is, is, is dairy complicit? And they do talk about it in the book how in some ways um, it's very – right when Adrian Mellon dies, they say, like they, – they talk about, like, if, if there had been, like, an honest flyer for the canal days, they said, like, at 9 o'clock there had been fireworks – and at 9.45, there would have been the ritual sacrifice of Derry, or ritual sacrifice of Adrian Mellon. Um, so I, I, I do kind of think in this version, in this version, they are leaning more towards Penny or towards it as being this like 
corrupter, this thing like that's just like lives underground. Even when it's not actively killing children, its presence is it still manifests itself in, you know, the weak minded, the people like uh, Henry Bowers's father, um, you know, the people like Bev's dad, the people like you know Eddie's or Eddie's mom. Like I don't think that these people are just good people who are naturally corrupt. You who are just corrupted by its presence. I think they're people with bad you know bad inclinations already that living in dairy has allowed them to be like you know unconscious or not be like i'm gonna do what i'm what i want to do like john what are you gonna say i look like you were gonna say something no i always felt that when reading the book i i didn't feel like they touched it enough in the movie at all but when reading the book like i always felt that it was like it was like a mutual like agreement between it and deary uh for for lack of a better description i always felt that deary was this kind of shit town and and it amplified it like it, it was there. It was always, it was like you know involved in yeah. some manip- manipulation. But I always felt that it was a mutually exclusive. Like they just they fed off of each other essentially. Like like he just like he just said what you know. Bev's dad was a piece of shit. He was above and beyond a piece of shit because it's around. Like I think they they fed off of each other. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> it's interesting, Brandon, because I think on one hand I think you're right as to King's humanism, although because of things that happen later in his life uh, uh, let me just say this and we don't have to get into it but i would actually say king's inclination in certain books to blame evil on a supernatural thing i don't think is actually his latent humanism i think it's his latent christianity that my man has a religious bone in his body he does um he he totally does he briefly went super religious though recently he told uh, he told uh, uh, Terry Gross that that he never said that, even though she had the recording of him saying that. Oh, right after he got hit by that car, he and and he basically uh, he basically talked about uh, his disagreement with Kubrick that um, uh, that his basic disagreement with Kubrick. So there was a time when. Uh, he he told Terry Gross way back in the day that his disagreement with Kubrick was that Kubrick believed in hell and he did not and then in a later interview right after he got hit by a car he told terry of course i believe in hell what do you mean i I would have never said that and then in an interview like two years ago he goes oh did i say that oh i uh you know and he like sort of played down his religiosity briefly my man well so his wife teaches sunday school at their local church is very involved in church and i think after he got hit by that car he got kind of involved in church too but i think when I say his latent Christianity, I don't mean like bec- whether or not he's a believer, but I do think the idea of like evil can come from an imposed force, but it plays off of our natural failings stand. is a very the, the stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yes. a very yes. Christian sort of thing. But I, but I don't think in it he wants us to completely see Derry as different than our small town. I do think within it, and maybe it's because I read it a long time ago, and if I reread it, I'd think differently, but my memory of it is that while Derry is a worst-case scenario, most humans, if they're being honest, would say, well, my town has its own secrets. My town has its own shit. Well, they even say, they, you know, they talk about how every town has its small secrets, and, like, Mike is, like, not like Derry. Like, every town has skeletons in its closet, but not like Derry does, like... But I think in, in, in that sense, I, I wonder if the darkness, at least in the sense of people being gross, is something that he is reflecting of experience in other small towns. Like, I, I, like, I, like, I, well, I think he's the is. worst, but I think it, he also has a judgment for small town America within the way he writes about Derry. Yeah. 
That's my view, at least, of it. But like I said, I haven't read the book in a while. I, th- I think that's what he's going. I think what you. I, th- I agree with the intent of that. I think executionally wise, as it digs more into the origins of it, it gets away from that for my tastes, just just a little bit. Uh, but it sometimes always kind of rub me a wrong, the, rub me the wrong way uh, with some of his stuff. Is that I, I think he loves his characters, and I think I think he loves. Um, you know the big problem he has with the Shining is that in the Shining book, Jack's a good guy who is turned evil by you know, the ghosts feed off of him. You know, not the ghost, the, the intelligence of the Overlook Hotel pushes his worst qualities to the forefront and, and drives him crazy. Whereas in Kubrick's movie, Jack's just the crazy asshole from frame one. Um, and I, I think that, that hates uh, Wendy's, Wendy's character, character but, but yeah. yeah, what's up? <laughs> He also, he also uh, King, uh, King also hates the fact that, that Wendy's, Wendy's like, like she's, she's a useless character in, in Kubrick's version. Yeah, that's there's there's a there's a lot wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, good right, movie well, I, as an adaptation. I, I, there's a lot wrong. I feel like we should start winding up. So, I Justin, you you haven't gotten to say anything as far as like the things well, you I, didn't I do, love I, about I do, the movie. I do want to talk about what I didn't like about this, and then some people sent us some stuff of how they felt about the movie. Yeah, that'd so. be good. What I didn't like my my biggest problem with this movie. Um, I could I could do without the deaths of Patrick Hockstetter and Eddie Corker, and I wish I could have seen it, but it didn't take me out of the movie. Yo, the fucking bullies in this movie were such paper tigers, and the acting of the that actor who played Henry Bowers, that was some fucking cornball cold chamber video bullshit. He's at eleven Yo, from, from 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 the opening moments. So he is uh, he's already cranked up to eleven. Not good. He is not good. He is not good. He doesn't play like. Even okay, so the actor who played Patrick Hoxter when they when he first showed up, I was kind of like, yo, this dude isn't like like Patrick Hoxter wasn't this like lunatic. I mean, he was a lunatic in the book, but he was like an actual lunatic. He was a sociopath, like a fucking like a quiet sociopath. Dude was like super fucking corny, but I'll take I'll, I'll leave it because like whatever. He dies like five minutes. And I think that they they had to crank him up so that so that when they could kill him so immediately. He, yeah, yeah. So, but the actor who played Henry Bowers, he was so bad, so fucking bad, like. It was like the stare. The only scene he he did good in was when there is the scene where he's out back like shooting that gun, and his dad comes up and is like, you know, is like yelling at him, and then he's like, "You see, boys, nothing like a like, nothing like a little fear to make a paper man crumble." And it, everything else, like when he's like looking down the well and like giggling, and he's got blood on his face and it's twisted, I, I like was like groaning, like, "Oh my god, this is so fucking unbelievably bad." Um, and I, I also I didn't like any of the bullies because in the books. In, in the book, and even in the miniseries, Henry Bowers is a legitimately bad human being. He's a terrible person. He is dangerous, like he's a fucking murderer. And on the flip side of that is like Belch, Huggins, and Victor Chris, they're like followers, but they're not actually bad people. And they kind of touch upon, touch upon that in the movie, like when they're cutting Ben's stomach, and Belch is like, what are you doing, man? Like, we don't actually want to hurt this kid. Like, it's sort of like Belch and Victor are just kind of like dickheads. Whereas Henry is supposed to be like a dyed in the wool like bad person, and none of that comes across in this movie, and it, it it just it really felt like they needed they were only in the movie to corral the losers clubs closer, and even that they 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 generally fail out because like the big my they 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 fall back on the fucking this is actually what I'm about to say is my biggest problem with this movie the Bev needing to be rescued the Bev as the damsel in distress trope was so fucking bad. Um, and I, I I really felt that they didn't need to like that was so like it could have been any of them. It, it, it literally could it could have been Stan. Pennywise could have any of them if it was Stan. Um, so I don't I I just I, I just hated the fact that it was like these these bullies were like they were there as like stage props and little else and Belch and Victor just disappear like they're just gone. 
Um, I don't know if Henry killed him. I don't know if it, I mean, we know in the book it kills them, but like, um, I kind of sort of hope Henry doesn't come back in the, in, in, in part two. I think it's a useless character. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm curious how they would explain Mike getting hurt, but I uh, think they have to. I think that whole I think that whole storyline with him and Mike is to set up that. Yeah, but what I mean in this in this movie, there was no real storyline. There was, I mean, it didn't come across that he hated Mike. Any like in the book, they say like he hates Mike more than he hates any of the other losers. But like in the movie, it's just like he goes after Ben. He like you know throws Stan's yarmulke at a bus. Like he doesn't really have like a special. Actually, unique Patrick throws the. Oh, Patrick Yamaka. does. Yeah, my bad. But yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't have like a unique hatred for Mike because of you know his racist upbringing. He doesn't have much of anything, and, no, and I do and I do think <clears throat> he, they they just told him. It felt like they just told him to play it up a lot. Like he's just he like like he's at eleven, and there's no need for him to be at eleven the whole movie. Yeah, he's the one storyline that I wish they flushed out. Like he, he right. he's probably like the 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 bullies are probably my biggest problem with the movie as a whole. Um, I wish they. Because when he shoots, like we don't even know that his dad's this like piece of shit. Like we like no, we get one scene where he's mean. Yeah, and that's it. And then and him shooting the gun at him, like okay, if you really like, if you if you're not an idiot, you can figure it out. Like okay, he has an he has this weird issue with his dad, but like you don't get like, is it that bad that he has to kill him? Like that right. he can be influenced that easily to ki- to kill him? Like anything with the with the. With with Henry and when they push him down a well, I'm like, I have to assume that he's not going to be in the next film. Like, how do you come back from that? Like, he fell. He didn't just fall like the twenty or thirty feet to where like that hole was that, they, that the losers went through. He like fell all the way down the hill and hit or the well, and he hit shit the whole way down. Like, if he comes back from that, that's that's going to be too unbelievable for yeah. me. They could bring him back as a paraplegic, and I believe it. Like, <laughs> if in this if in the sequel he's he's a, he's an asshole in a in a. In but what's a, the point then of bringing him back? No, there there is no, no, if, 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 if they bring him back, they'll do a thing. Where where he's like in a wheelchair and it's like oh he's been he's been uh, comatose for 27 years and then like the moon speaks to him and, and, he, and, he, and he, he perks back up like they, like they do like with a joker goes comatose whenever Batman retires and Batman comes back he like snaps back to life that's how they do you know, the, I, I mean yeah I think I, I think I agree with you Justin that the whole they could just leave him off and they don't need him for the next movie yeah. because it just and, and but it didn't have to be that way and that's that's I agree one of the things I mean okay is it again? I'm a little feeling like they packed a lot into two hours and fifteen minutes. So, did we need another fifteen minutes in which we saw more of his character? I mean, maybe part of the reason we don't see as much is because they know that that actor is kind of weak. Like, I I don't think it's just I, the script. I think the actor's not great. No, I think he not. was not great. But I, I I mean, I don't think we would know if the actor's not good or not. I think it was just he really wasn't weak. given enough. I to think do. I think I think it was a really weak script for him, and yeah, he was fair. probably told like you have to be just a maniac right from the jump, and that's that's essentially what he is. He's 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 already pissed off. He there's no there's none of that like messing with each other. Right. I, I wish they also um, had the thing where they fought him. Uh, who was it? It was like Bev. Richie and Ben fought him like yeah, in the, the alleyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I wish they had that, like, because that would have driven him. Like, okay, he's now he's furious that he got like shown up by these kids. Yeah, like the the rock fight doesn't feel sufficient for him yeah. to be murdering his father. Yeah, like I think the the I think I agree. Like when he murders his father, the way that that works in this movie, you are at least for me. I was like, it's like he's possessed. It's yes. not like. 
he's been pushed by an outside force, but he is already corrupted. It's like it's almost like Pennywise has taken over at that point. Yes. Because there's not enough there of him for us to believe that he has his own will almost. Like yeah. he doesn't he's do a anything. Flat character. He's and totally that, flat. And that's another thing. They could have had at least one more interaction directly with him and Pennywise. Right. Like where Pennywise, like, you know, almost like grants him like a wish where he actually has to meet him. So when Pennywise is on the screen being like, kill him, kill him, kill him. Like it, it all makes sense. He's like, well, I'm going to do with this. Yes. I mean, now don't get me wrong. The TV stuff, the way that it was sort of in the background talking about the, well and the whatever that all was great i love that that like every time the tv's on it's the 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 children's host person talking about clowns and floating sewers yeah yeah the sewers you should go down the sewer is what she says that's all great but i think you're right it's not it's in that scene with him it doesn't work because we haven't seen enough of him to care really yeah no it's prompt adaptation where it's like in the book you in the book you understand when he starts to carve ben's belly this is an escalation of what he has of standpoint. When when he I mean they even say like he he'd been walking over an increasingly tight bridge over this gulf of insanity all summer, and then when Patrick Hockstetter jerks him off, it narrows to a tightrope, and then he wakes up, you know, the one morning and sees, you know, this the fucking moon in the sky starts and he's then he's just gone. But there there's none of that. There's none there's no there's none of that in, in, in this movie, and I, I felt they really that was that was a misstep. I mean, again, I, I I would I would I love this movie, but I do think that was a misstep because it was, you know, why even have this character in the movie if they're not going to do what they all to do with him? Um, so we got we we'd been posting stuff on Instagram and Twitter for the past like month about having people write some stuff in. So here I'm going to start out with um, my man Jacob from the Test Pattern podcast. He wrote to us, uh, this is this is like the longest piece, so we'll get it out of the way first. Uh, so the summer was the summer of it. I read the book for the first time over in over 20 years. The last time I read it, I was about 11 or 12 years old. It affected me so much back then and even more so now. I was so so much acutely aware of all the depth and, de- depth and detail that I missed on my first read. To say that the book affected me is an understatement. I, dream- I dreamt about it. I thought about it so much, all the things I missed or didn't appreciate when I was younger snapped into extreme clarity. The history of Derry added a whole new dimension of its legacy. As soon as I finished it, I went back and watched the miniseries for the first time in probably five or six years. It was profoundly disappointing. Tim Curry's performance was still great, and some of the best quotes from the series are delivered by him. However, the pace at which the miniseries moves through the story takes away from the sheer source of the magnitude of the source material. That all brought me to yesterday. I took a day and a half. I took a half day at work so I'd be able to see, seek solace in a quiet, darkened theater, and it was worth it. I drove about 40 miles to an affluent area, not that I live in a poor town, so that I could capitalize on all the people who would be at work or school and have this have as much solitude to enjoy this film. It was worth it. As the film began and the score picked up, a score which will be purchasing for sure, and the opening scene began, I knew I was going to be pleased. For weeks before, I had been preparing myself for major plot deviations, and that allowed me to take this movie in for a, a separate entity that was a wise decision. It allowed me to enjoy the film in its own right. I was trepidated that the film started proper, but after Georgie's unfortunate demise because of the stark differences, because of the stark differences, having truly slept on it, I can say that I truly enjoyed Muschietti's vision. Skarsgård's Pennywise was so f- bizarre and frightening. This was truly a film for horror fans. I can only hope that the community can, community can overlook alternative interpretations and portrays the Losers Club that we have come to love to seek solace with from its presence and can see this movie for what it is. It is indeed a great horror film. For those who are interested, Jake does a uh, podcast called T- The Test Patterns uh, Show. They're on Twitter at Test Pattern Show. Um, they do some good work. Um, they did an episode about a month ago that I uh, I wrote a little piece for, um, and they, they read it, and it's they do good stuff. This next one is from a man, Andrew Bergatron. 
co-host of Got Me a Movie. Barger Burn. Barger Burn. He says, if I was a young teen and saw it with that fresh mind, having not... Jesus, fresh mind? If I was a young teen and saw it with that fresh mind, having not seen any other horror films of its sort, my little mind would have been blown. I'm older, though, and though I liked the movie, no part of my mind was blown. Although I was impressed with a lot of the scary moments, just one, a jump scare, got me. And I wanted Mike to not be such a bland character. All the other kids have obvious personalities, but Mike is bland, almost silent, but not necessarily as a character choice. I've never read the book, but I think this might be the best adaption of a King work thus far. But it's good, effective, it doesn't resonate with me as much as it does with quote-unquote Haw fans. That's right. That's how you sound in my head, even though we've talked numerous times, Burger And you know what he actually sounds like. That's what you sound like in my head, motherfucker. Uh, I have to say, I might agree with him a little bit on Mike. Like, I wish there was more to Mike. Yes, I'll give him credit for uh, that. But that the actor's good. You know what I mean? It's not that he's bad. It's just like, there's a lot of Mike is characters the in the Losers Club. Mike is the quiet one. So by virtue of that, he seems the least essential, which is kind of a bummer. Yes. But yeah. he's also the guy that like, pulls it all together well he might he'll probably be a big he, well he has to be a bigger character right so. which is why yeah, they did that story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i think that's and why i think all, he's the one that tells all the all the interludes and all of the uh like him bringing the rest of the losers back like he's, he's the watchman yeah 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 I, and I, uh, I think that's an intentional choice but it, it does create that feeling of if, if you don't know that mike's gonna be a huge character in the se- in the second one it does make it weird like why why was that kid there he didn't really do anything yeah that's true so uh, this next one, very short, it's from our friend Elby at Ghoulie School, who also, she, she co-hosts Got Me a Movie. She just said, I think if I was 13 right now watching it, it would be a revelation film, like the one that turns someone into a horror fan. Yeah, good. I, 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 I agree. And like I said, it's the sort of movie that if you are the parent of a, I mean, decide for yourself how young is young, but young, and young, but not so young that you're not ready to show them a horror movie. Uh, I think it would actually be a great place to start. Yes, I, I think I, th- I, th- I think twenty years from now, when we're watching horror movies on the moon, uh, the generation that's going to be making them, they're going to be referencing this. They're going to think I, 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 I saw it on cable when I was in the same way that the the miniseries. As much as I don't care for it at all, it is seminal. It is something that gets brought up a lot. Yeah, it was uh, a gateway for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think this, by virtue of being as huge as it is and being as good as it is. I think I think it's a good chance of being that movie for a whole new generation of horror fans. Yeah. Um, Jay Johnson, who follows us on Facebook, just said, "Hey, I just watched it very briefly. I thought it was very entertaining, fun, and great. Really looking forward to it. To, to really looking to really looking forward to part two, the continuation." Side note: uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce their name. Just FYI. How do you pronounce? Is that yeah? J A I. Yeah, it might be Jai. Oh. I don't. I don't know. I'm oh, not shit. saying you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Realize uh, all that. I'm saying is, uh, this is someone who uh, is from Philly, who I know goes to Exhume stuff, and who like started following our stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll be honest. I don't know how to how you pronounce their name, but I just want to say, if we're pronouncing it wrong, sorry. But if yes. it's Jay, awesome, good work. Yeah, I hope. I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't. I literally don't know, so I don't want to be like you said it wrong. Also, uh, I owe you, by the way, hard business pins and movies. So I will send them soon. Yes. No, really, like that. I was like, if I yeah. send you some DVDs, will you review them for the site? Yeah, we got pins. I'll, I'll give you some pins. Yeah, I got some. Um, my friend Katie, who is brains with twenty A's, my favorite internet friend, who was the first person I messaged after walking out of the theater. Her review was simply hard eyes emoticon, crying emoticon, blushing emoticon, sunglasses emoticon, fist emoticon, one hundred percent. 
<laughs> she actually asked me, could I call and complain about the spider? And I was like, I don't know if you can call uh, or lack thereof the spider. Um, and then on you, she wanted some spider action. She, and we got a little bit of spider action, but not too much spider action. Two legs, two legs. Yeah. <laughs> and then on uh, Instagram, my girl, Jackie XXX, Jackie straight edge. So shout out to that. Uh, she just said, love the little nods, to us book readers, Kneebolt street, Freese's department store, t-shirt, beep, beep, Richie, the Paul Bunyan, etc. Loved when Pennywise came out of the projector. Didn't love that Bev seemed older. The di- di- dynamic of the innocence of the children versus it works so well, but her fearlessness ultimately saving them was an interesting take. I agree. Uh, my man, Greg Chrisman, uh, he said, meant to send you my thoughts. The original TV movie is my most rented VHS as a kid and holds a super special sp- spot in my heart. Uh, like Ren, he was also a, a skeptic of, of, of this one. Um, at one point, the Blockbuster employees told my mom we had rented it 30 plus times and wanted to make sure we actually wanted to rent it again. I did. It's not a great adaption of the book and it's pretty cheesy, but whatever. Tim Curry is a perfect Pennywise. That being said, I love the new movie. I wish they would have spent more time on Mike. He could honestly have been written out, which sucks, and spent a lot more time in the Barrens. Loved how they showed the deadlights and thought it was all an all-around amazing experience. We saw it in a super small theater that was sold out. It was only like six seats across. I've never seen people legitimately scream like that in a theater, so it added to all the, to the, to the all-around experience. I plan to see it again midday next week to see how I feel in a different setting, but hot damn did I enjoy it. Thank you, Greg. We've, I'm going to say, get at me. I'll send you some stuff. And then for my man Carp, my new friend Carp, Ignition Remix 2003 with this stellar review. This is the best review of any movie I've ever seen. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Do it. I've seen worse and I've seen better. Carp, you're the fucking man. <laughs> You're the fucking man, Carl. That was the, that's the only one. That's the only one, by the way, that I saw in advance. Yeah. And when I saw him post that, I was like, honestly, like as much as I kind of want to be like, whatever, Carp. In my head, I go, that's what you thought. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually what I thought. I too. could literally say that about any movie, though. I can say that about Aliens. There's a select group of movies that I could think of if I really thought hard that would not. I would not say that about, especially. In the worst category, it, uh, there's like five movies I can't decide which are worse. They all have Eric Roberts in them, and <laughs> I've had to watch some bad Eric Roberts movies. <laughs> or Blair Witch. Yeah, Blair Witch. Blair Witch is pretty bad. The original, dog shit. Oh Did you see the God. sequel? That was oh. dog shit too. Oh yes. Oh my God. All right. We won't go there. So uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up. Ren's got some fucking donuts to eat. There's like 50 donuts here. There's there's nine now. That's 41 more than you said, or 41 less than you said. Um, listen, listen, this is a podcast. They don't know that. Very true. So <laughs> so Ren's got Ren's got like Homer Simpson in hell level donuts to eat right now. <laughs> so uh, gentlemen, Foley and Ren, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Um, we love having guests. Ren, we love having you up here. It's so awesome. It's always a good time. Um, hey, thank I, you. We're gonna get all of you on the mandate. Well, Brendan's a little hard, but. YouTube idiots I can yes. get on the mandate. Brendan, you would have to drive, drive pretty far to be on the mandate. Probably, the, the thing, yeah. I think sometimes people don't realize like the mandate happens in the th- lobby of the theater. Yeah, yeah I was listening. We to actually it. got kicked out. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love how Josh is like, oh, you guys are wrapping up. All right, no problem. And then just like, hey, uh, hey, Brendan, where if people think that you're cool, how should they uh, keep aware of you and the various things you do? Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at the true Brendan F. Uh, you can. All, I also do a show uh, on Cinepunks called Black Sun Dispatches. Uh, if you enjoyed me on this, listen to me there. If you didn't enjoy me on this, my show is nothing like this. So you might still like Black Sun Dispatches. Uh, you can follow that at Black Sun Show on Twitter. 
I'm hoping to have a new episode. I guess it doesn't matter because this is going to come out later. I'm uh, hoping to do a new episode uh, Monday, that this coming Monday, so hopefully we can have that finished uh, tonight. Um, it's basically just uh, an, almost like an anthology approach to a new horror story every couple weeks uh, that I do as a podcast form. Uh, so yeah, you guys can check that out or follow me on Twitter or at Black Sun Dispet, Black, yeah, Black Sun Show on Twitter. Now, Ren, you suck at Twitter, so I know you're not going to tell people to follow you there. But uh, it, what anything else that they should check out related to you? Obviously, the mandate. Yeah, uh, I have no bands going on right now. So yeah, just the mandate. Oh wow! I okay. mean, unless unless you're really into like Iron Man shit, you can follow me on Instagram and see see all my like running posts. That's, that's true. Boring. That's very boring. You are quite the athlete. You are. If if you like both uh, horror movies and uh, men exercising, <laughs> you might be into Ren's social media presence. Yeah, I'm Ren XXX on everything. Hey, if you guys want to play Xbox with me, Ren XXX. Oh yeah, there you go. Everything's Ren XXX. That's for Straight Edge because he's a proud sober warrior, proud vegan Straight Edge warrior like myself. Ugh, too much. Yeah, go fuck yourself. You're not getting any more donuts. <laughs> I don't want any more donuts. So anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening. Thanks for everyone who wrote in. Um, thanks to anyone who's given us a, a review on iTunes. Uh, you can go check out www.cinepunks.com. You can check out some of our other podcasts. Both Ren and Foley have podcasts on there, Black Sun Dispatches and The Mandate. Um, we have information for our Patreon there if you guys want to donate and help us out. This will always be free, but any little bit helps. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes and then email us at theharbiz at gmail.com and I will send you some cool shit. What are we on Twitter? We are theharbiz666 at Twitter. Um, you can follow me. You can follow us on there. You can follow on uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook group, just the Harbiz. There's no 666 because Liam is like Jesus and doesn't want me to put 666 in too many things. I literally have never said that. <laughs> I know. It's also, also very hot topic, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, the Harbiz was taken, so I was like, ah, oh, God, what's cool? I was going to put three X's in there, but I don't want to, you know. You don't want al- to yeah. alienate the boozers. Yeah, I don't want to alienate the fucking drug addicts of the world. Um, I mean, I don't really have compassion for them, so. Uh, so, yeah, uh, like I said, um, you can check us out there, www.cinepunks.com. Um, there's information on all the podcasts here, how to contact us, uh, information on our Patreon, um, rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. Um, we got another episode coming up soon for you guys. Uh, I'm excited to do it with the Graveyard Shift Sisters. That'll be a good time. Ooh, nice. Um, so yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Gentlemen, thank you for appearing. And um, until next time, remember, we all float down here, but you won't because you'll probably sink to the bottom of the sewer. Fuck yeah. Pennywise. Fuck Victor Salvo. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>